Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is TV worth talking about. You didn't float up the lion on a bubble. I'm veering towards muffins. Stop making a tip of yourself and piss off. This is Shrine of Duty. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Shrine of Duty. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rebecca. And we are back. This time we are talking all about season four. I mean, it's just, uh, how do you describe this? It's the one with Roz and the arm. That's it's, the description really, isn't it? Even though I've watched it before, it was it was just as shocking watching it a second time and that situation happening. I still can't get over it. Like it's I, seeping. Yeah, I feel like I can smell it. Oh God, it's so dramatic. Like imagine writing that down and then being like, right, we're going to get Tandy Newton and we're going to chop off her arm for like very quick on in the series and then we're just going to have her have a stump for the rest of it. <laughs> It's so like, what's the word? I feel like it's so clever because she had everything so under control for so long and it's all these things that you can't plan for that really ruin it for her, like the fucking husband following her and her arm being septic. Like that moment when she wakes up in the hospital and the hand is gone is a horror film. It's something from a horror film. It's really distressing. Would she not have put a bit of pseudocream on it or just a bit of antiseptic? She wasn't cleaning it properly. It's the MRSA pet. You can't deal with that. Yeah, fair enough. She was distracted by the murder that she committed. Salt and water is not going to fix the MRSA. But I feel like she just didn't let enough air at it. Like it was just bandaged. (laughs) The problem is she was trying to hide it. Also, like Ted and Kate and Steve, like across that desk in the interview room, like she she was using one hand to do everything. Did they not cop? that there was something up. I know, listen guys, it's shocking, but it is an absolutely great series. Uh, lol, that we, that I think it was me last week, or the last time we were recording season three, I was like, <laughs> lol I me. think season season uh, four is very standalone. Uh, uh, looking back now, <laughs> I still kind of agree with that, but they've linked it into the other series really well. Yeah. But it does feel different to one, two and three, which I think are so closely connected. And that probably is because of Dot and Lindsay. See, the thing is, and I I always viewed this one as standalone as well, because we're in a totally different, like, station and it feels different. But I think one, two and three are like a little triple. And then we obviously haven't seen six yet. But if you look at four, haven't seen five, mm. it's so connected. Yeah. Isn't it? You really start to, qu- it's Ted is comes under fire. And then obviously in the Ted. next season, that, that really is focused on a lot. You've got the Eastern European women going missing, which we mm. obviously know is hugely connected to the OCG. The You've got the Balaclava men. men. So I think like we've never probably watched 
like four straight into five, knowing five as well as we do now. Yeah. Now, when you go back and watch four, you're like, okay, they're creating another little triple. I'd imagine six totally. will be completely tied into these three as yes, well. Yes, definitely. And I, I think um, I, I have another theory about maybe who could be in uh, that shot that they've released of season six in the interview room. Who? Excellent. I think I think it could be Jimmy Lakewell. Oh, so do I. Yeah, I think yes. it could be Jimmy Lakewell because he's yeah. like some people I'll never talk. Some people are you can never stop running from. He says something like that in one yeah. of the episodes. I think he definitely knows a lot, um, and he could make a return. He's also quite attractive. No, yeah, oh, yeah, like in a greasy man. kind of like way. Totally, but yeah, I I feel like he could have led a glamorous lifestyle, and then he just stumbled upon the wrong people. Well, I agree with you. And every time I watch a new season, I'm like, no, it's Fairbanks. No, it's clearly Jimmy Legwell. But I really do think Jimmy could be the one because he, and we'll talk about it when we do the recaps, he's not just connected to Roz and the Balaclava men and Jill and other certain people. He he was also the one that was connected to Hilton. Yeah. He put that poor yeah. chap in jail. Yes. There's a huge backstory there and he's been around for a long time. So I think, yeah, it could be him and we could be looking into his past. And a like, bit how many more. other cases did he manipulate the way he did with Michael Farmer? Exactly. Do you know that way? You're like, mm, you've been around for a while. You know a lot and you've said nada. I love as well the way that there's like, I think there's like a clatter of people who are in prison for around about 10 years or so who are all due for release sometimes soon so like there's so many options very good point yes Fairbanks and Rod both got 10 years and I think yeah. Jimmy Lakewell did as well yeah I oh. couldn't think yeah okay okay oh. um, all in the gorgeous grey yeah yes the fruit of the loom but guys do you know what fruit as well isn't it a thing that like when you're coming to the end of your sentence if you've like been on good behaviour yeah, Jimmy Lakewell could be like lads here's some information knock a couple of years off my sentence I get out of here tomorrow and you get all this juicy info absolutely like we could be coming up to that kind of level of yeah. negotiation for a few of them uh, also lads Jill is not in season 4 oh my god yeah she's not she's not in it she was off getting that complete makeover. <laughs> yeah, because she was in three like a little bit. But yeah, it's it's five is Jill's season. She really did it like a Carrie Sex and the City first uh, movie when she dyed the hair darker. It's very but, Bradshaw like part two, I think, for anyone who has seen Sex and the City after Big leaves her at the, at the altar. And it's okay. It works for Jill. Does not work for Carrie. I'm sorry. It washed her out. She looked like a witch. Didn't it? She just needs a bit of tan, yeah, and a bit of blonde highlight. Washed out to bits, and I do prefer the blonde on <laughs> Jill as well. It's just another. It's just another level for her. I think. Yeah. Um. Do you think that actress was um like otherwise? busy or do you think they left her out on purpose for the impact when she returned and I, yeah, I, I think the latter know. I think leave her out and then bring it back so it's not too uh, obvious. obvious yeah 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 um, Hannah I think you're up first with one and two today um, before we start I made another little uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for like I noticed something again observation observation thank you <laughs> <laughs> so you know how we how we love like world productions and they like did season five, but I noticed when we went back to season one, it was. No, I'm so sorry, these <laughs> No, wait, good guys. No, like, listen to me. So, season one, it was content. Are you going to tell us about a CEO change? Yeah, what? Oh, what? yeah you, you may laugh, right? So, season one was content presents, season two was content television presents, season four is content media presents. They changed the fucking name again. Bloody hell. 
Content Media presents a world production. <laughs> what does this mean? We need someone from world production. What was going on in that office? A lot of changes. Just rebranding. Guys, Content Media presents a world production is an absolute mouthful. <laughs> and then as far as I know, for five, then it's just a world production, isn't it? <laughs> We're it only ever needs to yeah, be a world production. That's your homework for whatever we do the next podcast after this. Oh, you need I've, to, got, I've given myself a job. You need to get to the bottom of it. You need a lawyer. You need a Jimmy Lake. I do to need a Jimmy Lake. <laughs> Okay. Or just save a Wikipedia page, Brendan, you could prove. True, true. Hannah, you're up. Episode one. Okay, this went out in March 2017. A woman... Oh, actually, can I just say that when I went to do this recap, I was like, season four, piece of piss, like it's kind of a Roz and Tim Ifield, arm gets chopped off, bam, 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 few fights with the husband, season finale. This is actually an extreme... <laughs> roll. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> well, let me tell you, when I actually dug down into it, this is one of my, and apologies in advance, longest recap ever. It's extremely detailed. <laughs> I'm going to need a wee break in the middle of this podcast now that's I'll say I think these are my shortest recaps ever okay well maybe it's just season one because or episode one because episode two isn't too bad but episode one there's a lot in it so here we go okay a woman named Hannah Bresnikova says goodbye to two friends after a night out she runs for a bus but is hit by a black car and is pulled inside by a balaclava clad man he speeds off and Hannah attempts to escape a number of times and he eventually bundles her into the boot DC Jodie Taylor who is literally 16 no oh. offence to the actor 16 <laughs> calls DCI Rod Huntley who's played by Tandy Newton at home to tell her the team have just got word of an active abduction of a young female in the Moss Heath area so we're still in Moss Heath which was my first like okay bam this season is still connected to what we've just spent the last three seasons watching but I suppose though they just investigate like that's just their area though you know the way like guards in Dublin it would just, is it not just the area Moss Heat seems like a cesspit True. of crime everything's in Moss Heat the heat Dot is there running around bloody everyone's in Moss Heat guys it's just their area I, I think. don't know is it an area in an area we don't We don't know is it fiction where is Moss Heat are we it's in fake. London yeah because their, no. their where area are we? has a name it's called East something isn't it I don't East know Eastfield Eastfield oh, yeah. okay so a court board behind us tells Ross's tells us that Roz's team is investigating something called Operation Trapdoor. As Jody and the other officers head out of the station, we see a CCTV capture of a man wearing a balaclava. A male officer says, we've been looking for him for months. It's time to get the bastard. Roz hurries to her car, ringing her husband Nick on the way to ask him why he isn't home. He tells her he's 10 minutes away and then Roz meets Jody and Moss Heath and coaches her into how to um, deal with the scene. Balaclava man abandoned the car in the middle of Moss Heath and fled the scene uh, with Hannah. So Roz and her team begin house-to-house inquiries, but she's soon interrupted by an officer called Neil Twyler, who tells her that the dogs have found something in a house a few doors up. However, just before anyone can get inside, a fire explodes from one of the windows and a woman's screams can be heard from inside. Roz rushes to her aid as the burning building falls around them. A uniformed officer arrives just in time with bolt cutters and Hannah Resnikova is cut free and the three escape the house. Now that's in the first two minutes it's really big drama which Line of Duty does like to do yeah I love the first two minutes of like every uh, every season opener is so good yeah they're fantastic so huge yeah really gripping so out in the street Roz asks Hannah to give a description of her attacker the interview is filmed on the body cam of another officer Hannah says she never saw his face that he wore a covering that he never spoke and tore out both her fucking earrings like how just unnecessarily painful is that 
than Tim, I feel, derives. And I don't know why I just find his character so hilarious. Same. Like, I honestly think it's just his face. Yeah. Do you remember when Isn't I thought it? I met him before and I didn't? It was the principal of a school I was giving a talk in. I, te- I texted. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I sent this message into our WhatsApp group. I was like, guys, Tim Ifield is the principal in this school. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so in the crown. Tim Ifield, forensic coordinator played by Jason Watkins, arrives at Moss Heath. He's really unimpressed that Roz's team have been trampling around the scene, which they have, like in and out of that house, like it's nobody's business. Jody reveals that the house belongs to an Eileen Farmer who lives there with her grandson, Michael Farmer, although she hasn't been seen there for months. She also reveals that Michael is on the sex offenders register. He works night shift at a factory and had just clocked on when Jody rang to check where he was. But Roz points out that it's too late to be his alibi. She deploys officers to arrest Michael at work for attempted murder. Scared and confused by what's happening, he runs. But Michael is soon caught and brought to a nearby station. Roz is kind of thrilled when she hears he's on the sex offenders register because she's like, it has to be him then. Perfect. Um, a short while later, Roz watches Michael's interview on a monitor. Neil and Jody question his whereabouts during Hannah's kidnap. He says he went to visit his nan at a nursing home. He then had sandwiches and a drink sitting on a wall before work. The officers asked Mike, ask Michael if he had his phone with him, um, as this could corroborate his story. His utterly useless lawyer is like, interrupts and says, oh, well, Michael doesn't have a smartphone. And Jody's like, it doesn't need to be a smartphone, like, for that, the triangulation to work. He just didn't know this because he's God, crap. That lawyer. fucking solicitor. Like, oh he's my God. He's disgusting, isn't he? Oh, he's like dribbling on himself. He's asleep. He's disheveled. Like, even at one point, Steve goes, you know, you can get a different lawyer. Like, he's so yeah, shit. Yeah, Steve's like, please. Um, so Michael has his head in his hands at this point and they all agree to take a break. Tim, I feel, then catches Roz in a car door and I just love Tim's energy because yeah. he's discovered something and my God, he's not letting it go and he's absolutely dead right but he's also really annoying. Yeah, he's, so so he's such a know-it-all, isn't he? Oh, such a little lick. Like, but obviously he's completely <laughs> right and he could essentially save someone's life. Yeah, but like he's doing time, important work. But we're like, you're so irritating. Get away <laughs> so from me, Tim. And Roz is doing, like, honestly, Tandy Newton's acting about just being infuriated by Tim Ifield's <laughs> existence is just so good. <laughs> so he tells her he's found a crucial piece of evidence that she may have overlooked from the crime scene. So Roz is uninterested and impatient waiting to get back into Michael's interview. She tells Tim to email on his concerns. Then Neil overhears while Tim slams his laptop and leaves annoyed. So Neil's like, okay, what was that about? Now, Derek Hilton is back, having been promoted from chief superintendent in season one to assistant chief constable. So we haven't seen him in two seasons, but he's back. Does he take he over Dryden's post or am I wrong? No, I get confused with the top ranking officers exactly. up there. Oh, yeah. He did. Right. And he's in that exact office as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so he arrives unannounced at Polk Street, uh, Polk Station, where Roz works, and is met by civilian forensic coordinator RuPaul Pandit. So Hilton joins Roz to oversee Michael's interview. She catches him up, telling Hilton that he has no alibi. Good, says Hilton, before asking, do you think we'll be able to charge him in 36 hours? He tells Roz she's right to be meticulous, but they need a win. They're killing us on Twitter, he says, before telling Roz he has every confidence in her and then leaves. So it's very manipulative, his carry yeah, on. The here. pressure, he just yeah. Rocks in, all smiles. He's like, Roz, can we wrap this up, please? And then leaves. It really is, Neil- does, like, it shows how much the police force is really like a business. The way Tony Gates was doing the laddering, do you know? And then they're just like, oh, we need this to be done. Like the same way that, you, you know, when you're working away and they're like, we need to hit this target. Do you know that way? 
He's like, you need to catch exactly, this person. Exactly, but it's people's lives. And Shocking. it's very, it's a, a callback to what Jill said in the previous yes. season about like PR. And it's mm. like, okay, well, we need to arrest lots of people, but not too many because yeah. we need the, you know, yeah, exactly. shit like that. So yeah, it's all very manipulative. And the people at the top are the ones that are doing this sort of manipulation. So Neil and Jody show Michael photographs of Baswin Decor, um, her dismembered body. She's a woman that's missing. And then they tell her or show him a photograph of missing Leone Collarsdale. So Baswin Decor's body and then a photo of Leone who they haven't found yet. Michael's not sure if he recognises the victims. An email now, I mean, seconds. Tim, I feel, literally went around that corner. I was like, oh, you want me to email you my findings? I'm sending them now. He, send, yeah. he is literally as per my last email. <laughs> like literally fuming so and the email is so rude as well so uh, an email from Tim Ifield comes through to Roz's phone it reads attached here with no hello significant <laughs> forensic anomalies <laughs> cast out on Michael Farmer's guilt I request urgent review of this case and that is literally it no hello no goodbye just literally fuck you please be attached um <laughs> <laughs> Neil and Jody show Michael the photo of Balaclava Man and he's not sure if it's him. Roz's team celebrate as Hilton gives a press conference on Michael's arrest. Tim Ifield watches on through a door. So Michael Farmer is clearly a very vulnerable young man with absolutely no defence looking after him. You know, he potentially should even have a social worker there with him and they're basically hanging him out to dry and Hilton's giving press conferences and everyone's having champagne. It's really <laughs> awful. Roz and Nick, who's her husband, talk at home. He asks her what's wrong. She says it's nothing. It's the opposite. In fact, she's really relieved that everything is finally over. Meanwhile, Tim Ifield plays, pays a late night visit to AC12 HQ. He asks for Steve specifically. However, Kate watches on their interview from a monitor. Ifield catches Steve up on the issues with the farmer case. In summary, he's had a look at Hannah's earrings, Badwinder's hair grip and Leone's necklaces. Forensics sometimes look for carpet fibre deposits on items like this because basically the more carpet fibres on an item, the longer it's been in a certain place. Mm -hmm. And that's some type of forensic testing you can do. But I feel just figured out that there's no carpet fibres on any of those items to indicate that they have been in Michael's home nor was his DNA attached. So basically they took a load of shit out of Michael Farmer's house, tested it all. Loads of it had carpet fibres on it, but these three items didn't. Mm. So he's like, guys, these have been planted. Mm -hmm. Tim puts to see that the three items are planted and he has uh, one more piece of evidence. All of the footprints found in the house matched Michael's shoes, bar one. Steve asks why Ifield didn't bring this to Roz and Trapdoor. He says he tried and Kate is very suspicious. The next day, Kate and Steve bring their findings to Ted. There's unmissable tension here between Kate and Steve. Really snarky remarks going back and forward. Ted tells the team to look into the case further. Back on the floor, Kate tells Steve that her promotion shouldn't be an issue for him and that you're not getting an argument out of me. So in that office there where Kate and Steve go into chat to Ted, I think it's at that scene that... Steve's Scottish accent slips out. Did you notice this? No, I didn't oh, notice this. But you I were think saying, it's yeah. in the, I think it's that scene. There's a scene, I think it's in episode one near the start where Kate and Steve go into Ted and um, yeah, his accent goes, it's, it's Scottish for like about two lines and then goes back again. Yeah. Back we go to watch that now tonight. So um, Kate goes undercover at Operation Trapdoor as DCI Kate Flynn. She's from Missing Persons and East Mids looking into a case with similarities to Leone's disappearance and Baswinder's murder. Roz is not happy and gives Kate a dressing down for referring to the victims as prostitutes. 
Kate tells Roz she's arranged an interview with Farmer to rule him out as culprit. At Blackthorn Prison, Kate puts a number of questions to Michael, one of which reveals that he doesn't drive. Now, we know that Balakava man bundled Hannah Resnikova into a car and drove mm. her to his house. Mm-hmm. No one bothered to fucking check if Michael even had a car or a driver's license. Kate asks him about another missing woman. Michael says he doesn't want to get things wrong and that he gets muddled sometimes and Roz shuts the interview down. Outside, Kate attempts to ask Roz a few questions on the case, but she's having none of it. Kate and Steve meet in the laneway where Dot threw the coffee at the wall. Not a fave place. Kate doesn't... My favourite place. Kate doesn't <laughs> think Farmer is... Like, if we ever go to Belfast, guys, we have to throw have a coffee at the wall that and get a video. Let's go to Insomnia, get the hot chocolate, just fuck it at the wall. Fuck it at the wall. Um, great, we'll do that uh, next year. I feel really bad that I'd have to go and pick up the cup and, like, recycle it. Of course we <laughs> yeah. would. We'll get a compostable cup. It would completely, like, just undo, like, the dramatics. <laughs> but after we've got the shop, Brendan. <laughs> True. Um... Kate doesn't think Farmer is guilty. Steve is off with her and makes a dig. Oh, she makes a dig about him getting intimate with Lindsay. Back in AC12, the pair catch Ted up. Kate has looked at GPS evidence from Michael's phone. It puts him at his nan's nursing home during Hannah's abduction. So Steve then is fighting Roz's corner, which is so bizarre, but he's really just doing this because he's being off with Kate. Ted suggests the case may be controlled by officers higher up the ranks. Kate reveals Hilton was present during Michael Farmer's initial questioning. Steve remains behind in Ted's office to ask for his backing for a promotion and Ted says he'll consider it. Hilton and Ted meet for a fancy lunch. Ted has a steak, medium rare, no sauce. <laughs> then he skirts I around. I love that that's a thing. The that same order. No sauce every time it, Ted what orders What is that food. about? I just love it. It's just a little thing I think that Jed has written in for the crack. It's like he just, Ted doesn't have sauce. Will he not get the sauce on the side? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jill's there, you know. <laughs> we'll do that in Belfast and all. We'll order things with no sauce. Um, Ted skirts around what he really wants to say, but soon brings up the issue of detectives under pressure to make arrests and therefore skipping over vital evidence. Hilton is pleased that public anxiety is easing for the first time in a long time. So Hilton gives this kind of really jail-esque speech about how the public is perceiving the police force and that everything is going great and a certain amount of arrests are being made and high-profile cases are being wrapped up in neat bows and doesn't seem to give a fuck about who's actually going down for these things. Yeah, he says there's facts and then there's the truth. Come on. Sorry, who is he? Jill Bleeding Bigelow, Mm. like... Exactly. Back at AC12, Ted tells Steve the team are officially investigating Ross Huntley's charging of Michael Farmer. Steve interviews a Jade Hopkirk about Michael at her home. They lived in the same estate and used to walk the same way home from school. In 2009, Jade's mother made an allegation against Farmer, claiming the then 16-year-old Farmer raped 15-year-old Jade in his home. Jade says she thought he just wanted to be friends. Steve says, in his initial statement, Michael claimed you went along. Jay kind of pauses for a second and then snaps. And then he said he'd done it. So what's the problem? And Steve's like, oh, fucking hell. Like, this is really, really dodgy. The next morning, Kate is back in Polk Avenue Police Station and Roz is less than impressed. She sends Kate home while she takes up things with her senior officer. Kate reminds her that they're both on the same side. AC12 intercepted Roz's call. So Roz is like, I'm ringing East Mids because this is a joke. But AC12 intercepted the call and basically tell Roz that Kate needs to stay. Steve tells Ted that Farmer's sexual assault charge checks out. However, he agrees with Kate that her undercover needs to be pushed to the next level. Steve then visits Roz in her office, tells her AC12 are making inquiries into Operation Trapdoor. 
Kate's back and not taking no for an answer. She tells Ross she's been placed on temporary secondment to her team. Then at a vending machine outside, Steve tells Kate, you push from the inside, I'll push from the outside and she'll crack. I love that line. Me too, love it. Roz visits a cheery Hilton to ask why AC12 are investigating Trapdoor. Hilton tells Roz that he's uh, he stuck her stuck with her despite her years um, of being a full-time mum. And it's a really dirty tactic. He's kind of like, you know, I've been really there for you, Roz, when you were off a lot. And she's like, I wasn't off. I was raising my two children. Tim Ifield asks a Jane of forensics, um... He's looking for a number of reports connected to Operation Trapdoor. He then takes his findings straight to AC12. There he tells Steve that Hannah's clothes showed no fibres from Michael Farmer's clothes, even though he said to have grabbed her, thrown her into the boot of his car and dragged her into a house. So clearly his fibres and DNA would have transferred onto her, but there's none of them to be found. However, black fibres were found on Hannah's clothes, linking to a black jacket and a balaclava, neither of which were found in Michael's home. No black fibres found there at all. And apparently the man has no black clothes, <laughs> which is a little bit of a reach in the storyline, but we'll take it. Tim suggests a conspiracy to ignore evidence pointing at another subject. He likens himself to Steve, who was once a whistleblower. Tim shows Steve software on his computer. He's had another look at the one photo that the police have of Balaclava Man. So he's worked out that the man's shoe size, uh, the man wears a size 10 shoes. Michael, however, wears an eight. But the mystery boot print that Tim told Steve about on his first meeting was also a 10. So basically, Tim Myfield is saying Balaclava Man is the murderer, not Michael Farmer. Balaclava Man was in Farmer's house that night and Ross has stopped everyone from looking for him. So in Polk Avenue, Roz asks Jody to look into a number of forensic reports connected to Farmer. Meanwhile, Tim Ifield has found Hannah Reznikova working in a ca- cafe. Her earlobes are cut from where Balaclava Man oh ripped out her earrings, God. so he knows it's oh, her. I touch my ears every time I watch that. Just why would he do that? But I, he obviously, I think it, he had taken something from each of the three victims. Well, Leonie's not a victim at this point. She's just missing. Mm. So obviously he was taking trophies. But I feel like we need to put an asterisk there because well, I know we don't want to skip too far ahead to season five, but we kind of know what's happening to these women. Mm-hmm. And it's not a serial killer situation where you'd want to take mm. trophies. It's I think they're just using it to business. plant evidence to hide their crimes. Okay, like they're sorry, taking trophies rather sense. than like a serial killer to, would. They're to, doing to it to, frame to frame other people. people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes complete sense. That's actually quite similar to what they did what with, they do with the, the bodies in the freezer. Jack Lav, yeah. yeah. To frame people. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that wasn't sitting right with me, but that makes complete sense. Okay, so in Polk Avenue, Roz has asked Jody to look into a number of forensic reports. They're the reports that Tim Ifield was like, you need to look at these. Meanwhile, Tim has found Hannah in the coffee shop. Her lobes are cut. Tim spots Hannah's business card for her cleaning services. He also notices um, a fingerprint left on his mug of tea from her. So I think we're meant to presume that he lifts the fingerprint. Jody tells Roz that when she requested the forensic reports for Roz, she spotted that Tim had signed them out just before her and Roz is worried. Back at home, Roz turns off her phone, leaves it on the kitchen counter and tells Nick she's heading to work. But Nick, he's just a real annoying bastard. I don't know why I find him so annoying. (laughs) He's actually quite a nice person, but I'm just like, oh, just fuck off. So he spots her phone (laughs) straight away and then he kind of looks at the phone and looks at the door. So are we meant to presume he follows her with it? Roz arrives at Tim Ifield's gorgeous apartment where he's cooking up an absolute storm. Yeah, it's a nice apartment, isn't it? Sizzling a bit Real bachelor pad. Yeah. 
real bachelor pad is like fajitas on the go from scratch yeah he checks his yeah it's all go it's kind of like a little call back to Dot's gorgeous apartment where he was cooking up a storm the chilli um, have it in a pot you can have it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday <laughs> baked potato <laughs> So uh, Tim checks his CCTV, see that sees that it's Roz and lets her up. She's absolutely fuming with him and asks him straight up, what the hell is going on? Why are you questioning my evaluation of forensic evidence? Tim pushes her to discuss things at, um, discuss things at work. He's like, this is really unprofessional. Like, get out of my gorgeous apartment. Roz tells Tim she should have talked to him. He says she, uh, he tried, which he did try a number of times. So things start to get heated and neither side is backing down. Tim asks Roz to leave and sort of push, like Roz sort of pushes his arm away, calls him a sad little wanker. Then they have a full-blown argument where Tim asks, what have you got against Michael Farmer except him being retarded enough for you to frame? Um, Roz pushes Tim's hand onto the scalding hot pan. So she literally pushes his hand into a frying pan with oil. Was it by accident? Um, yeah, I think it was by accident that the pan was there but she was definitely like pushing at him yeah. and getting physical he hits back and accidentally slaps her in the face oh, she gosh. says that's assault of a police officer and Tim grabs her there's a scuffle as Roz attempts to leave Tim pushes her into the corner of the countertop she's knocked out and bleeding on the floor Tim moves quickly pulling um, a balaclava from an evidence bag in his backpack dressed as balaclava man he heads to a DIY store changes into a cap just before going inside then back at home he lays out Roz on sheets of plastic this is when it's full horror film terrifying just before he can cut into her using a fucking electric saw her eyes pop open and the credits roll like it is really shocking but lads come on is it not a bit of a stretch did the forensic investigator not think to just try and check the pulse maybe under the neck as well as the wrist but like how and make sure that she was actually dead because he had to go off to the shops and come back again before to get that saw didn't he yeah and like so what did, What was she there, lying Q, there Brendan. what being we went off to literally yeah, a full like, shopping but, bag he but came what back did she do everything. lie there and then also he put her onto the plastic sheets and she was still dead and turned the saw on and <laughs> only then she came back to life and like is there some sort of a, like legit medical explanation that She's you cannot find the pulse. No, I don't know about that. It's just the pulse thing. That Maybe I'm like, he was Jesus. just panicked and didn't spend long enough. I think he was completely enough. panicked, didn't spend long enough. She was completely knocked out. And yeah, for dramatic effect, she opened her opened her eyes exactly when the saw was about to come. No, but like her. I mean, she didn't just. Like, surely, if you were coming to after whacking <laughs> your head, you'd be a bit, you'd be a bit groggy, and you'd kind of be like, uh. But like literally, it was just like bam, and oh, her eyes were open. I. I, I know it's unrealistic but I just love that scene it is just oh my god the second you hear that music and her eyes open you're like oh. <laughs> there's a lesser drama we would have been like would you ever fuck off it's but ridiculous. Lion and Judy have earned this um, gaping plot hole yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> for dramatic effects yeah I just can't believe it like guys honest to god you'd make sure someone was dead before you saw them wouldn't you like come on but like he went from Cooking fire heat is to saw on someone open in about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and why I'm like, he was him, well prepared to go from one to the other. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't like, like he was having a mare. He literally has, like, oh, here, there's me balaclava. Grab that. I'll pop into being cute. Yeah. <laughs> Rock back and forwards for a few minutes, Tim, please. At least sit with her body for a day while you pull it together. He was literally 15 minutes after making fire heat as he was in being cute by us all. It's crazy. It's crazy. But look, we went from season three, episode six, the greatest episode of any episode of television of all time yeah. into this. So we'll let them away with it. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, okay, season four, episode two. Neil is at Blackthorn Prison to shut down an interview Kate is conducting with Farmer. Huntley was due to attend, but there's no sign of her. <laughs> Neil makes a number of calls trying to get a hold of her. Michael tells Kate that he was admitted to a hospital on the night Leone disappeared. Now, I'm fucking sorry, okay? His phone was with his nan the night Hannah Resnikova was taken, then he went straight to work. He was in hospital the night Leone Collisdale disappeared. How on earth have they managed to charge him with this? It's just beyond me. Um... But he gives the wrong hospital name when Kate asks, okay, tell me where you were and we'll look into it. Steve, though, soon figures out that Michael was actually in City General Hospital for two days at the time, which completely rules made as Leonie Collinsdale's abductor. And Ted tells Steve to start drafting a Reg 15 for Huntley. So Neil and Kate attend a crime scene at a forest. A woman has been dismembered. Still no sign of Huntley or Ifield. It's half two. Kate and Neil are in Polk Station wondering where Roz has gotten to and suddenly she appears from her office. Roz is connecting the new body to Operation Trapdoor and it seems like something on her arm is irritating her. <laughs> in his office, Hilton tells Huntley that AC12 are serving her with a Reg 15. She's absolutely disgusted because Hilton has kind of let on that he will have her back no matter what. And now all of a sudden he's like, okay, well, you're just going to have to take the Reg 15. He's kind of fucked her under the bus. Back at home, she's barely touched the meal that Nick has made her. He tells her that she left her phone at home the night before. She said when she checked it, she had a missed call from the kids saying Nick was out. He tells her he was having a drink with Jimmy. Now, I'm putting an asterisk there because that's the last two episodes where Nick has questioned Roz's whereabouts or when where Roz has questioned Nick's whereabouts. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just to build up a bit of drama. We're meant to think, oh, could he be Balaclava Man? But yeah, at the same I, time, I think it was placed there because we're supposed to suspect that he's Balaclava Man. But at the same time, he's Jimmy Lakewell's best friend. And as Reb said at the start of this episode, we're pretty sure Jimmy Lakewell is coming back into this. So, I don't know. Um, I, I have a, okay. a bit of info on that in, in my recaps. But they put that there to make it, I think, 
You just go and hold on a second. Like, what's he up to? What's the crack with the husband? Because, like, the, even though yeah. the husband doesn't really do, we, he, you're like, he's just annoyed. There's something that doesn't sit well with me about him. Yeah, and like, it wouldn't be like us to read too much into something now, would it? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so he tells her he was having a drink with Jimmy. They have a small argument because Ross didn't bother to tell anyone where she was. She then reveals the body in the woods was, was that of Leonie Collisdale. And Nick spots a cut on her arm. Okay, Ted and Steve interview Roz in the AC12 glass box. She's accompanied by her Federation rep, DCI Mark Moffat. Come off it. Very interesting appointing from Hilton or whoever gives you your Fed rep. Okay, so I've tried to sum up all the shit that happens here in a few bullet points because there's a lot. So... Ted puts to Roz that only one fibre was found linking Michael to Hannah's abduction. Roz insists it's still evidence. However, Steve tells her that it's only evidence that Michael was in contact with a black item of clothing. The evidence is more in line with cross-contamination during Michael's arrest. Furthermore, there was no evidence found in Michael's hair to suggest he was wearing a balaclava. Steve says absence of evidence isn't the same as evidence of absence. Roz agrees. Mm. And Ted catches her admitting to absence of evidence. Next, Steve puts the phone triangulation evidence to Roz. She suggests Michael Farmer left his phone at his nan's nursing home during the abduction. But Ted reminds her that his phone was back on his person by the time he was arrested, meaning that wasn't possible. Steve tells Roz that Michael doesn't drive, doesn't have a license and doesn't own a car, has never been insured. Roz, Roz basically is an answer to everything. So her snapback to this is like, well, in his mm. estate, it's not unusual for people to drive illegally. Yeah. Steve shows the room a photo of Hannah's earrings ripped from her ears before she was left to die in the fire. These were found in Michael's home, as were Leonie Collisdale's necklace and Bazoin Decor's hair grip. Steve reveals other items tested for Michael's phone, home had carpet fibres on them. But there were no carpet fibres on these three crucial pieces of evidence, like basically implying that they were planted. Roz, with an answer for everything, refers to the items as trophies, saying Michael would have kept them clean and in a safe place. Steve shows Roz the one photo that we have of Balaclava Man. Roz says she is determined Michael, or has determined that Michael is of a similar height and shape to the man in the photograph and is like, therefore... I think our best guess is that that man is Michael Farmer. Steve suggests Ross has been downplaying evidence. Now, at this point, Moffat quits across and Ted says to Moffat, now I know that fella. That's why I'm asking the organ grinder and not her monkey. So rude. Like, yeah, I know. A bit of bad blood between them because that was really is. rude. Yeah, there is. Really yeah. rude out of nowhere. And that will obviously come to fruition. Uh, Ted tells Roz that uh, she was a high flyer in her day, DI before she was 30, but then stood still. Roz reminds Ted that she started a family. Ted implies that she's using Operation Trapdoor to get her high profile, to get a high profile arrest and to get her career back on track. Steve, there's actually um, this sort of underlying storyline of women yeah. in the police being fucked over yep. by the men throughout this whole um, series season and it kind of made me think I was like right this is written by a man so that's kind of one an interesting storyline and also two fair play to Jed because he writes some pretty amazing female characters like Lindsay Denton incredible Kay mm-hmm. Fleming incredible Jackie Laverty pretty incredible like do you know what I mean they're not just these flimsy just throwaway 
token females. They're yeah. like really fab characters. Strong, so independent thought, females, which we are um, huge fans of. Exactly. And I just thought, wow, that's actually really interesting. So go, Jed. Next, Steve shows Roz the transcript from an interview with Michael, during which he told her he was in hospital during Leonie's disappearance. Now, I mean, how much fucking evidence do you want? She claims he misled her detectives because he couldn't remember what hospital he was in. Steve reminds her he's a vulnerable person and reveals that when Steve actually bothered to do some detective work and sort of rang around the local hospitals, that he figured out he was in hospital at the time. Um, Roz tells the room the farmer went to hospital hospital at 11pm on the night Leonie disappeared and that she was last seen at 9pm, giving him enough time to commit the murder. Ted reminds her that two hours is a very short window. Yeah. Now that's really dodgy because Roz clearly knew he was in hospital yeah. and lied yeah. about it two seconds before. She, she just had that wanted time. to fit in what she thinks is happening rather than what the evidence is saying. Yeah, and I have to say the first time I watched this, and this will come up in your guys' recaps, I really thought Roz was a dickhead and it was all her. Yeah, but actually, no. when you watch it back, it's really not. She's been pressurising the top, which yeah. is... Um, yeah. a reoccurring and I think she does believe it's Farmer like I think she just she kind of is a bit from the start believes that it's him and you should never think you know the answer straight away in an investigation like you need to keep an open that's mind that's it I don't think she's trying to lie I think she genuinely believes yeah. it's him which I never thought of um, on previous watches so continuing Steve hits Roz with uh, the new balaclava man shoe size evidence that came via Tim Ifield she is shook something she does not have an answer for Ted tells Roz that he'll be recommending a new SIO to be appointed to trapdoor and that Roz be reassigned. At home that night, Roz removes Tim Ifield's laptop from a hiding place in the boot of her car. Wearing gloves, she breaks into it, confirming that it was Tim who handed the balaclava man shoe-size evidence over to AC12 and she collapses in tears. Kate watches back Ted and Steve's interview at Roz and she seems really pissed off at their line of questioning regarding regarding her career mm. and the time that she took off to raise her family. Later, Monique congratulates Kate for passing her national inspector's exam and Steve's upset that she didn't even that he didn't even know she was taking it. Well done, mate, he says genuinely, and it looks like the the pair might finally be getting back on track. Because I think it hit Steve in that point how much they drifted that she would have told Monique and not him. And he's yeah. like, right, I'm gonna let all my issues with her go, which are kind of issues that happened in between the two seasons that we kind of didn't see. Um Okay, so in terms I love Monique. I love Monique so much. Yeah, she's so lovely, isn't she? And so clever and fab. Such an integral um, part to like so many things. Like she helps out so much. Yeah. Yeah, and then storylines like her coming in to solve the dot, um, changing the plates on Steve's car yeah. mystery with her brand new baby. Like shit, like that's just so cool. Yeah, and she's um, pregnant in this series again. Yeah, like oh, it's just fab. In Ted's office, Kate suggests a drink to discuss her promotion. Ted looks awkward and they agree on a meeting in the office instead. The team at Operation Trapdoor meet their new SIO. Well, it's only bleeding GCI, Ian Buckles. There Buckles! Lol, and we're like, who's he in season one? Literally. I completely forgot about him. So back in season one, he was appointed SIO in the Jackie Laverty case by Hilton when Tony Gates was removed. Mm -hmm. So he seems to be this person that when people get removed, Tony Gates and Ross Huntley, Hilton's like sending in Buckles, my best man. So I'd have a large asterisk around Buckles and his connection with the dodgy boys. Yeah, he's real one of the lads as well this season. He's always texting people, making jokes, you know, he's real in with the lads. I think there's something, I think he could be back. 
And for a character I forgot existed four weeks ago, yeah. uh, Jed was tweeting, remember? Mm-hmm. When Jed was live tweeting when season one went out on the BBC and he said, the first time we meet DCI Buckles, and we were like, who the fuck is Buckles? But that's put into my head now that he has a much more integral role to come. Because he's still on Jed's mind. Yeah. Also, yeah. I saw a good article during the yeah. week about him, um, which we can talk about later when we have theories. But yeah, we're not the only people who believe he could be back in season six. Yeah, it's that Jed made that point, And now here's the second time that Buckles has replaced an officer by Hilton in a crucial investigation by AC12. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't think that's a coincidence. And what do we know about him? We don't get to know anything about Buckles. He's always uh, like at the sidelines. Do you know that way? He is in with the the dodgy boys that go all the way to the top mm. 100%. So he spots Kate at the back of the room. Outside, he's stopped before he gets into his car by Steve, who brings him for a meet up a dark laneway with a very mysterious Ted. <laughs> Ted tells Buckles that if his undercover operation is affected, the world and his wife will know who to blame. Steve is still attempting to contact Tim Ifield with no luck. He calls around to his apartment to check on him, but there's no answer. Another resident in Tim's building lets Steve in. He has a look through the letterbox, and I presume there's maybe a smell or something, because then he orders a team of uniformed officers to break down the door. Steve discovers the body and the scene is sealed. Jody and Kate arrive, but Steve tells them they're not getting anywhere near the apartment. Roz then arrives, telling Steve that she's in charge, that she's duty DCI on major violent crime. A furious Steve is forced to stand down and RuPaul videos the scene on her first forensic sweep accompanied by a shifty Roz. The cause of death is a neck wound. Then when the full forensic team enter, Roz spots a spot of blood that she missed in her cleanup. Uh, It's photographed and swabbed as Ted asks Huntley to leave the scene. Yeah, and it's the spot Um, of blood where she whacked her head. That's what knocked her out. So we know that that's definitely her blood. imagine the panic of knowing that it's your blood? Do you know that way? Because she whacked her head off that. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I missed a spot. Guys, like it's so good. So outside, Ted and Ross argue about whose team should investigate the scene. Ted calls her darling and insists, and she insists he uses gender neutral language. How very 2020 of Jed (laughs) and Ross before refusing to give leave. So back in the apartment, Ross watches the blood splatter swap put into an evidence bag. And over here is the reference number K or G 30. That's what we hear. However, what is actually said was K or G 13. Oh. And Roz jots down the incorrect number. My God. Oh, so good. It's so good. It's very clever, yeah. After dark, Roz returns to her bag of incriminating evidence in the boot of her car. She makes two new swabs, uses a reference bag, or uses sort of an evidence bag with reference K or G 30 pops it all in a lunchbox and heads to work. So basically she has Tim Ifield's clothes, his laptop and loads of other shit from his apartment shoved in the boot of her car. So she takes out two swabs, which are kind of like cotton buds, rubs them in his blood, shoves them in a bag that says K or G30, puts them in a lunchbox. So we're obviously like, right, she's going to swap the blood, the swab with her blood on it for the swab with his blood on it. So it all checks out. So there, while a forensic officer is distracted in work, she switches out the evidence bag, but she fucking noticed the term mistake because she's flicking through the bags and she's like, wait, where is number 30? Where is number 30? And then she sees KRG 13 and realizes what must have happened. So she sort of scribbles out the 30 on her evidence bag and writes one three, but it's really messy and obvious. 
And then Roz creeps home and into bed with Nick. The wound on her arm is starting to hurt. Oh, God. So a few days later, Jody tells Roz that blood splatter, KRG 13, found in Tim's flat was his blood. And she breathes a sigh of relief. So the team discuss the number of possibilities um, for Tim's murder and Kate watches on. However, Roz shuts the door on Kate before Jody can reveal an interesting person who's popped up on Tim Ifield's phone, Hannah Reznikova. Later, Jody and RuPaul interview Hannah as Kate and Roz watch on a monitor. Hannah tells the officers that she met Tim in a cafe and was due to clean his apartment. However, on the day she was due to go to Tim's apartment, he texts her cancelling the appointment and Hannah can't help with anything else. We're nearly there. Kate and Steve meet in the laneway again. Kate tells Steve that Tim was a security nut and they found nothing suspicious on his laptop. Now, I don't understand how they have his laptop because I thought Roz had it, but there you go. And Tim and Roz had no suspicious communication in the run-up to his death. In addition, Kate cannot find a connection between Tim and Hannah Reznikova. Hilton is back in Polk Station to discuss Tim's death. On his way out, Roz stops Hilton as he's been ignoring her calls. He's got no time for her and insists instead that she goes to Buckles' office. Oh, and, and then he's like, okay, well, I need to go to talk to Buckles about Operation Trapdoor, so fuck off, please. Buckles refers to the murdered women as prostitutes and Roz rolls her eyes. Elsewhere, Ted and Steve discuss his promotion in a bar, which he refused to do with Kate. Ted tells Steve that he can't meet Kate for a drink because she's an attractive young woman and that wouldn't look well. At I home, find that bit um, strange. It's a bit weight, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't, I'd meet it's, for a coffee then, love, in daytime. You don't need to go for a drink after work. Yeah, he's just being a bit massaged. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. I was like, no, Ted, that's not the best way to do it. Treat everyone fairly. No. And that is the underlying sort of, and you know, calling women prostitutes when the correct term is sex workers, yeah. but also let's just talk talk about them as women and mm-hmm. victims rather than what they chose to do for their career. Yeah. Um so at home, Ross attempts to tend to the wound on her arm. It clearly looks like someone is clawed at her skin in desperation. Steve brings Tim Ifield's postmortem report to Ted's office. Cause of death exsanguation, meaning he was drained of his blood via a neck wound that severed his jugular. It's a shallow wound, so there's question over his level of intent, or over the level of intent by the murderer. They also have a burn wound on his hand from the frying pan. They can also place him in a forensic oversuit at the time of his death, and there's evidence of a struggle. The body has fingers missing, and Steve guesses that Tim knew he was dying and attempted to get some of the killer's DNA under his fingernails. Um, Roz revealed, or realised... Oh, yeah. So basically, Roz realized what he'd done and removed his fingers. So Steve suggests that the killer was disturbed because the body hadn't been removed. Therefore, was um, was the murderer small, female or both? Mm. Ted knows he's talking about Roz and Steve asks him to keep and asks Steve to keep his mind open. So at the same time, Ted says, look, you can run a parallel investigation into Tim's murder and Roz's recent behavior. And then Ted tells Steve to wait and see what Kate comes back with. So he's kind of like, let's just let Kate go undercover for a while before you try and arrest Roz for a murder that we have no evidence for. So Steve visits Roz at her office. She tells him to put his question questions in writing, but he insists on conducting an on-the-spot interview. He asks her how she would describe her relationship with Tim Ifield. She keeps a professional and Steve leaves. Roz heads straight to her locker and removes the lunchbox she used to hide the evidence swabs in. Then she stops through Paul in the corridor and asks her, to have another look at the forensic evidence taken from Leonie's body. RuPaul refuses, reminding Roz, she's like, Buckles is in charge now, I can't go behind his back. And Roz being desperate is like, look, you have to re-examine the evidence because I think there might be a connection to Tim's murder, so will you just do it and do it secretly? Dodgy. 
Dodge. Kate visits the AC12 office and heads straight to Ted's office. He tells her that he's considered her inspector application, but she needs to work on her leadership qualities. She asks if Steve got the job and Ted says he just has a few more years experience. Now she leaves fuming. Back at Polk Street Station, Buckles briefs his team, including Kate. RuPaul enters the room to announce there's been a significant new finding thanks to new tests ordered by Roz. How convenient. A trace of Tim's DNA was found on Leone's partial torso. So basically, when Roz brought the swabs and kind of swabbed Tim's clothes that night, she swabbed two. Yeah. And she popped one into the KRG 13 mm-hmm. bag. We never knew what happened to the other one until now. So now we're figuring out that she used the other swab to connect Tim Ifield to, Leone. to Hannah Reznikova because she's like okay fuck it I've murdered Tim so I'll get myself off the hook for that but at the same time why don't I get myself back um, into Operation Chapter and make a huge arrest and shoot my career up a few years Do you know she's kind of seeing all these opportunities so this is where Roz is the dick because she's not just trying to get herself off now she's like Oh, I'm going to mess with a lot more evidence and see what I can get from but myself. Like, oldest trick in the book, blame the te- the dead guy. She's like, <laughs> blame oh, the Ted she guy. Could blame the Ted guy. She's like, blame the te- the dead guy. She's like, oh, I'll just uh, frame uh, Tim Ifield now for Leone. Like, yeah, there you go. Easy, Thanks, Emil. Take me to Two birds, one stone. Two birds, one stone. I'll reorder the evidence and then I'll get Buckles out of the job. I'll be back in and all will be well. So this is where I start to go off her and kind of like, she's not just this poor woman now that had to kind of try and save herself. Now she's just an arsehole. Um, so a trace of Tim's DNA was found on Leonie Collidale's partial torso. I think we're meant to presume that when Roz got the lunchbox in the locker, she planted the second swab, then asked RuPaul to re-examine the forensic evidence. Roz feigns shock when the announcement is made. She's like, oh my God, I didn't see it coming. In the prison, Michael Farmer, now guys, in prison, Michael Farber returns to find his prison smell smeared in shit with the word beast written on the wall. It's relentless. He insists insists to the officer that he didn't do it. Now, it's a very sad scene, but guys, it is relentless with Judge and I really don't understand why. Roz then brings um, her new Tim, I feel, DNA findings to Hilton. He's very pleased indeed. She suggests that Tim was the informant who went to AC12 about her, implying that he was deliberately trying to put everyone off the scent and that he, in fact, was the killer. She does her best to incept Hilton into reinstating her as SEO of Operation Trapdoor and he bites. When he makes the suggestion that she very professionally agrees with, it's the right thing to do. No one looks good if we come out um, like we've charged the wrong man, says Ross, and shoots Hilton a look. And then he says, right, go on, you're back in charge of Operation Trapdoor. She leaves his office proud and determined as Michael Farmer cries in his cell and the credits roll. Poor Michael Farmer. Well done, it's Hannah. really sad, isn't it? It's See what so I mean? There's actually a lot more there in a lot there, there, yeah. into it than I thought. Yeah, I always think as well, doing the recaps for the first two episodes, they're setting the whole thing up. So there's so much detail in everything they do because it, it the whole story needs to be set up there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. But like, Ross literally watched... kills someone, frames someone, arrests an innocent person. Like, all this shit happens in very a very short amount of time. Yeah, I, that's, I think that was my third time watching season four now and I got a lot more from it watching it that intently than I had before. There's lots more connections. Roz is doing lots more stuff. Hilton is a way more involved than I kind of originally picked up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jed is really, really obsessed with uh, def- like shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he does love a bit of poo. I suppose though when you're in prison, there's not much you can do. Like, do you know what I mean? 
What, so, to shit up the walls? You no, know, like, there's not much you can do to, like, make someone to, like, basically, I don't know, what, what they're doing to Michael Farmer is they're oh, just trying to, to give him such a hard someone. time. Yeah, yeah, that you don't have much to do, play with, so you're probably well, going to turn shit, to that. We've had shit on the feast. We've yeah. had shit, shit in the walls. Lindsay Denton in the toilet bowl. We had Lindsay's had a toilet bowl. Her food like, have shit in it as well. Her food had shit in it? In prison, like, I mean, yeah. I, is, is it a clue? There's something going on, guys. <laughs> oh my God, it's anyway, it's mad. Okay, right, I'm kicking off season four, episode three. Um, it opens with Roz Huntley calling everyone to a team briefing for Operation Trapdoor um, and Tim Ifield's murder. So Buckles is like, hey, hon, what are you up to? Because I'm the big cheese around here. And Roz is like, no, babe, it's been cleared with Assistant Chief Constable Hilton. Um, and she's like to Kate, here, will you sit this one out? Because I've, told, I've promised him complete discretion. I don't want any of this getting back to East Mids so she literally shuts the door in Kate's face um, in the meeting Roz explains that although Michael Farmer has been charged they found more of Leonie Collarsdale's body parts and they have Tim Ifield's DNA on them uh, Roz questions whether Michael and Tim were ac- accomplices um, and meanwhile her lapdog Jody reveals that the tools found in Tim's flat were brand new and she also has an image grab of CCTV footage of the night of Tim's murder but we don't see it at that stage okay at AC12 HQ Ted meets with Kate and Steve and Kate says that she doesn't have much of an update because she doesn't want to push too hard and make Huntley suspicious but Steve is like listen we can't sit on our hands because Tim Ifield was police staff he was implicated in a murder and then he got murdered himself and now that Ross has been reinstated she can basically manipulate the inquiry just like she did with Michael Farmer he and he and Kate are really actually not on good terms again no, here yeah. they're really butting heads um, and basically like Kate says that Kate wants to remain undercover and and take a subtle approach but Steve is like no it's bigger than just Huntley now um, so Ted actually sides with Steve this time um, because their informant has been killed and Ted says he won't rest until they find out the who the how and the why uh, Ted also has an iconic line <laughs> here um, as Kate and Steve are leaving his office he turns around and he's like well back to the cold face the pair of you unless you've got more egg sucking tips for your granny what? like what? <laughs> Don't teach your granny to suck eggs. What is that, guys? It's I've never like, heard that my whole isn't life. It like, what? Yeah, it's a phrase. Isn't it kind of like you can't teach an old dog new tricks? You can't teach your granny to suck eggs. No? Yeah. He's literally just like, unless you've got more egg sucking tips for your granny. Like, it's just absolutely... I feel like that was one of those lines that someone said, Jed, put in a line about eggs. <laughs> also, <laughs> you know? while we're here, can we just have a word for our new intro? How good does it sound? <gasps> the imaging is fantastic. Gorgeous, Aideen. We didn't talk about our intro. I know, Aideen sounds amazing. And thanks as well to Pat, who made them. Yes. Um, Thank you so much to Pat and Aideen. That's fabulous. They're very professional, I have to say, Brenton. You should be an, a station imaging manager now for the <laughs> podcast. Um, okay, so later on that day, Ted enters Hilton's office and he is like, I'm opening a full spectrum inquiry into the murder of Tim Ifield. And they really argue about Roz being reinstated. Hilton is like, Huntley's really earned her second chance because she's detected Ifield's involvement in one of the murders. But Ted is like, no, my team is going to give Michael Farmer a second chance. And when AC12 gets access to all of the evidence, we'll find out what the truth is. Steve arrives at Roz's station and orders all of the officers to surrender all the materials in relation to Trapdoor and Tim Ifield's murder. So he gets all of their stuff then. So you know that like, listen, they're going to start uncovering a few plot holes here in Roz's case. Back at base, Steve, Ted and Kate look at the CCTV image of the man wearing a balaclava outside the DIY superstore, aka B&Q, on March 17th. Um, 
Steve points out that all of the tools in Tim's flat resemble those being bought that night. And Steve says that a full, uh, a small detail in Tim Ifield's post-mortem may have been overlooked. Basically, a number of those dark wool fibres were detected in Tim's hair and nose. So he actually could have been wearing a balaclava. And Steve also explains that the body matching gives a 90% po- probability that it is Tim Ifield in the CCTV footage. So basically, balaclava man could actually now be Tim Ifield. Matt Can Matt. I just say How does Tim I feel Think going to bleed And be in queue With cap on In the middle of the night He was going to get away With it After he was the person That analysed Balaclava man's Real weird angle photo And figured out That it wasn't Michael Farmer Like I, su- I thought That, that I, was a bit stupid I suppose maybe He was planning To pin it on The existing Balaclava man Maybe he was yeah. trying to be him. Yeah. yeah, he was trying to make it look like that same person. Maybe because otherwise, who would just randomly kill Ross Huntley? Do you know that way? Yeah. Well, it backfired in them, didn't it? It did. Was- quick thinking. <laughs> who was a balaclava lying around their house? First of all, as well, like what? Do you know what I mean? Just go, just pop that on there. Just grab it off the coat rack. Yeah. Are we missing something? No, I do think there is a bit more like Tim Ifield and we obviously find out more about him and Hannah Resnikova and stuff like that. But like, is Tim Ifield a bit dodgy himself? Like. No, I don't think so. I think he's just in love with the job. And if you look at where he pulled that balaclava out of, he also had loads of evidence bags. Yeah. And I think he was like, I'm just going to bring home the evidence, the balaclava. I'm going to maybe try it on, see how many fibres would transfer, do a few tests. Like, I okay. think he's really trying to get Michael Farmer off. He okay, does get got. with Hannah Resnikova, though. Like, he has sex with Hannah he- Resnikova. Mm. No, he doesn't. He does. He does. It comes Why? out. Yeah, no, it comes out. That's They were right. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I think, Sorry for a fucking second. I watched this three times. How is this still Yeah, happening? so that's why I'm a bit like, Tim, I feel now like, mm, do you know what I mean? Like, that's a plausible right. explanation though, Hannah, that he could have been trying to, yeah, no, that's not though. I what think he's he a doing? forensic swap, but I didn't know he would sex Hannah What was he doing with a balaclava and a load of forensic Well, he paid her for bags. sex. Yeah, he, well, he paid her for sex um, when he was looking for okay, a cleaner. So- what? I okay. know, yeah. Now, I'm a bit confused about that too, but I will get to that. Um, it, it happens in episode four. And meanwhile, Michael Farmer is shown a photo of Timothy Ifield by Neil, you know, who works at Roz. And his lawyer is basically having a kip in the corner and Farmer just shakes his head. So basically, Farmer is like, I don't know who the hell this Tim Ifield character is because Roz is trying really hard to try and connect Tim Ifield and Michael Farmer now. And this plank beside me is doing nothing to help. Drooling. Dreaming about sheep. Okay. At the station, uh, Jody says that there was never any contact between Ifield and Farmer according to their phone records. And Neil is like, well, the one thing that we can be sure of is that Farmer didn't kill kill Ifield because he was in prison. So there must be a lot more to it because it's not just as simple as that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Roz is trying to pair everything together and be like, put that into a neat little bow. A little bow, but like, that's done. Yeah. Um, So that night, Steve and Kate are working late. They reckon if Tim was Balaclava Man, he wouldn't have come to AC12 to say the farmer wasn't guilty surely he'd be like brilliant I've got someone to take the fall for me yeah that's true um, Steve also points out that Huntley called in sick the morning of the 18th which is the morning after the last time that Tim Ifield was seen alive which is a bit of a coincidence um, so he's like maybe Ross Huntley isn't just involved in framing Michael Farmer maybe she's actually involved in Tim's murder like he's like well we think the unthinkable the next day Stephen Minnie asked to take Ross's mobile phone into evidence and Jody pipes up and she's like oh no Ross blah 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 but Huntley's like listen Jody pipe down here's my phone I've nothing to hide like Jody is obsessed with Ross Huntley. Oh, Jody's irritating. 
She's trying to get that. Sorry, I really need to sneeze, but I don't think it's going to happen. Jodie's 15, guys. Come on. Yeah, I do I look at the light to sneeze? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at the light. Look up at the light. I'm trying. Jodie's 15 and she's up Brad Huntley's howl and I can't deal with it. Oh, it's shocking. Um, so next up, Kate and uh, Farida interview a witness called Melanie that's come forward after a public appeal into um, Michael Farmer's offences. I think they put up uh, a post about him somewhere or sent out a public call being like, does anyone, has anyone else been attacked by this man? Um, in this area or whatever. So this girl called Melanie comes forward and she claims that this strange man started talking to her when she was walking home from college through the estate one day and she says that he grabbed her, told her he wanted to kiss her, that she was pretty and he asked her to come back to his house. Um, so Melanie actually later identifies Michael Farmer as the person who approached her from a lineup. Yeah. Um, so at HQ, Manise tells Steve that Huntley's phone was switched off for a really large chunk of time between the 17th and the 18th and that there were only calls from her family members um, but her location does show that her mobile phone was in her house which is consistent with Roz's story that she was in bed sick and um, at the prison, Michael Farmer breaks down when Kate and Roz tell him that a witness has positively identified him. Um, and he's like, I didn't actually mean to upset this girl. She, I was just really lonely. So Michael did no. do that. Like that is the one thing that he did do, but he was, he approached it in the wrong way. Yeah. Because he obviously oh, freaked. God, love him. Yeah, yeah. But like what he, he did approach her wrong. Like he was like grabbing her and telling her to come back to his house yeah. as well. Um, so at AC12 HQ, uh, Steve and Kate are having another scrap about the whole witness identifying Michael Farmer. Steve is like, listen, someone could have fed her nonverbal cues to lead her to identify Michael Farmer mm-hmm. because that would be great for them in court. Um, and Kate is snapping back and she's like, listen, our job is actually to investigate Raw's Operation Trapdoor and Tim's murder. It's not to exonerate. Michael Farmer Ted shuts them both down and he's like listen if there's inaccuracies in the identification process we can take Kate out of um, undercover reveal that she's an officer undercover and then make them repeat the whole ID process if we do think that it's been dodgy Um, and Kate is like listen I finally gained Huntley's trust um, so I want to stay undercover Steve is going mad and it's like no take her out but Ted actually does side with Kate and he says to Steve to leave the room and that Kate and him need to discuss it so that's really awkward poor Steve yeah but at the Steve same time Steve and Kate are fighting like they're fighting because over the promotion yeah, yeah. and over power struggle and yeah Kate got a combination that's what this all is is it it is, yeah. it is. But also, like, okay. Kate is I actually... Like I, I do think Kate's right there because they didn't give her any cues. Like, Michael Farmer did do that. Mm-hmm. That is the yeah, one too. thing that he did do. So it's not... Like, I know he's been dodgily trying to be framed everywhere else, but, like, he did approach that woman. Um, so Kate leaves the office to meet Roz and all her co-workers in the pub. Everything seems very rosy until Roz says that Kate is going to be going back <laughs> to East Mids because there is no link to her missing persons case. Um, so there's no point in her continuing her secondment. Scon- how does Kate manage to keep up with her own surname change? Like, Flynn, Fleming... Uh, just, I don't know how she manages to slip between them so easily and not trip herself up. Same, I don't it's know. It's just very close to her full name. Yeah, well, yeah. Who, who does say someone's second name though? You're just like, all right, Kate. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. Way? Um, so Sassy Steve actually arrives to the pub as well and he asks why AC12 weren't told that Tim Ifield's DNA was found on Leonie Collersdale's body. Um, and he's like to Roz, oh, have you told Michael Farmer's solicitor yet? 
that someone else's DNA is on Leone's body because you've charged him with that crime. Mm-hmm. And Ross is like, oh, um, oh, we're only obliged to carry out full disclosure prior to the trial. And Steve is like, well, you're obviously planning on there not being a trial. You're obviously planning on Michael Farmer admitting to the whole thing, tying it up in a bow and ta-ta for now. Um, Kate then calls Steve a wanker <laughs> yeah, when he I, leaves. I love that. Um, and Buckles is staring Kate out of it. Like Buckles is starting to crack with the whole AC12 situation. Buckles is going to buckle. Yes, exactly. Buckaroo. Um, so later on, Kate arrives back to the office with a curry for her and Steve, which is a bit of a peace offering. It's a lamb madras. Anyone ever like had one You could do anything to me and get me a curry and all forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a lamb madras. No, either have I. I just always go tikka masala and I'm, I I look at the rest of the menu and I'm like, oh, will I get something else? I'm like, oh, no, I like that. Oh, I love a biryani. I'm a sag paneer, but it's a lamb madras, not what... Um, Gavin's mom out of Gavin and Stacey gets in that real famous mm, scene it's where they're a ordering Lambuna, a isn't it? Is it? No, that's um, Lampruna, Brombuna, that's Smithy. Okay. I think she gets a lamb madras and she's like cheering about it. <laughs> Gas. Um, so Steve digs out Ross's phone records from the night from the night of the seventeenth, uh, which show that one of her kids left her a voicemail from the landline phone asking if they can order a Domino's, right? But like her family would have known she'd taken to the bed. So why are they ringing to see if they can order food if she was in the house? Yeah. Dodgy AF. Well, she said she slept in the spare room, so they didn't know what room. So maybe they looked in her room. Yeah, no. But she was in the spare room. Kate is literally like, her phone is home. She wasn't. That's when they crack it. (laughs) Case closed. No, Kate's just like, Roz left her phone at home, but she doesn't necessarily have been there because her kid would have known, surely. Do you know that way? Um, So at home, Roz is in her bathroom in her pyjamas. Now she locks the door. She peels off a (laughs) pus-soaked bandage on her arm. And the graze on her arm is now like seriously, severely infected. Like call 911 because salt and tea tree oil is not going to fix this. Um, she gets putting your lamb dress down at that point. No, you would. She gets into bed with the husband with Nick and Nick kind of tries to get a bit saucy but she just says she's wrecked um, So I hate him yeah it's a bit strange the next day she arrives at the station and she finds a post-it on her computer which says someone is watching you which I assume Buckles put there oh I missed that yeah yeah so that's how that's how Roz starts to suspect that there's an AC12 officer on the Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so and I do think Buckles did buckle like you said Brendan. Um because it doesn't make any more sense he was staring Kate out of it in the pub that night so I think he just said fuck it I'm going to tell Roz that someone's watching her. And especially if he's been put in there by Hilton. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Steve heads into Nick Huntley's office. Um, Nick keeps addressing him as Mr. Arnold, which I held at this whole season. I was obsessed with the name situation. Here <laughs> Mr. Vegas on. is now Mr. Arnold. Yes. Um, so Steve questions Nick about like where Roz <laughs> was on the night of the 17th. And Nick is like, I'm not going to talk to you until I chat to Roz. But he doesn't bloody chat to Roz. He literally rings a man called Jimmy Lakewell straight away. And Steve is like, you need to talk to me within 48 hours. Okay. Very important that he needs to talk to him within 48 okay. hours. Um, so at home, Nick is like to Roz, why was a man called Steve Arnold asking me questions and why didn't you tell me where you were that night? And Roz is like, listen, anti-corruption are just trying to discredit a case that I'm working on. She says she was on a specialist op that no one knew about and that she just simply left her phone at home. And Nick is like, listen, hon, are you having an affair on me? And Roz does try to avoid the question, but she eventually just keeps reiterating that she was in fact working. Um, so after that, Roz goes to the bath again. And this stage... I mean, the arm is seeping. It's seeping. Like, lads, you know if you have just one bad cut, like how painful they can be. I I can't even comprehend 
what agony she must have been in you can, and the stench yeah you can nearly smell the pus looking at it now oh. like it's really really bad um, so at HQ Ted introduces a man called DS James Desford to Steve and he's like I've put Steve in here not Steve James in here uh, to help with the Huntley inquiry and Desford reveals that his name is actually Jamie and not James <laughs> I love all this name <laughs> stuff um, Steve isn't really happy he's like Ted I thought me and Kate were doing fine on this but Ted is like listen the, ca- the less Kate is here the safer it is for her and if you're going to step up there's the sneeze oh thank Yay. god sorry it's been it's just been waiting I'm um, sorry Ted is basically like to Steve if you're going to step up we need extra help around here so it really is kind of indicating that he's going to go with Steve for the promotion also Jamie uh, if you haven't yet seen season 5 um, Jamie is in it um, no explanation as to where he is isn't he yeah, I I don't remember. Is he? Oh, I think he is. I think he ends up playing some integral part. I think if I'm thinking of the right person, but he comes into season four. Ted just goes, "Oh yeah, I'm bringing this fella in." There's no explanation as to where he came from, or where Ted found him, or why Ted picked him. Oh yeah, but you we at the end of season four we do find out about his that he's been involved in something. Yeah. Yes. With mm-hmm. you yes. casting doubt over I th- our Ted. I don't, was he not yeah, arrested at the end? Yeah. Oh, maybe he's not in season five. Yeah, I don't know. He's definitely, you know, he, it definitely comes out that he's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so at the station... Only watched it seven times. I know. At the station, Roz points out that Hannah Reznikova was the last person to have contact with Tim Ifield, so she's like, we need to talk to her again. So there Roz is. Oh, brilliant. Okay, Hannah Reznikova, now let's put her in the mix. Let's frame that bitch. Okay, so at AC12 HQ, Jamie is interviewing slash flirting with Tim Ifield's neighbour. Her name's Gemma. She's Irish. She's a nurse. Um, and she says that she was on the way out that night, but she noticed that there was a taxi outside her complex at around 11 o'clock. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, and Jamie then mentions buying her a drink if her lead checks out, right? Afterwards, Steve is like to Jamie, listen, Tim Ifield is not bad at Clava, man. Instead, there is another suspect that is still out there. Steve makes a remark about Jamie buying Gemma a drink and Jamie is like, oh, you know, it's an interview technique. Um, he's like, I'd never mess about with the witness. It's very desperate. That is such a pointed... That was when I was like, okay. <laughs> Jamie couldn't have known about... Steve, season two, sexy Steve. Unless someone like Hilton told him. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So like, this is where, watching back now though, I'm like, I'm like, Jamie could only know about season two, sexy Steve by someone telling him because he was put in there on purpose by someone to make sure things went a certain way. Which we've uh, we or all. like the fact that Steve rode Lindsay Denton and she was probably a bit famous in the police got yeah, around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? St- little Steve's reputation proceeds. Probably him. in the papers. No, it wasn't. It wasn't in the papers because Hilton leaks all that info to Roz when she has it all. Do you get me? Roz knows all that because Hilton gives it to her and it's at the end of season mm. four. So Hilton's definitely, I believe this is, that was the first moment we realised that Jamie and Hilton are acting together. You're so right. I just, well, I was like, it's very pointed no, the way right. you said that to Steve. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, okay, next up, Hannah Reznikova is interviewed by Jody and Farida and they explained that Tim was dressed exactly the way the man was who attacked her and that he was present the night that she was rescued from Farmer's House and then he went into her cafe to ask if she would become his cleaner. Also, did you notice that cafe was like ahead of its time for Corona? They had like the, the, like, <laughs> the shields <laughs> at the counter. 
at least we know we've got somewhere to eat when we go to Belfast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically the, they're like to Hannah Resnikova, they're like, how did you not suspect that something funny was going on, that this man called Tim Ifield was was just so connected to you, was trying to talk to you, like when he was there and he's trying to like you to clean his house, very odd. They're also like, why did you never also follow up with Tim Ifield after the 18th? Um because you obviously would have needed the money. Like, you don't earn that much money if you work in a cafe or as a cleaner. So surely you would have wanted your business. Like, where did he magically disappear to? Um, and then they're like, oh, you were the last person to visit his house. So maybe you actually did recognize him as the man who abducted you. So they're really going hard yeah. on that situation. It is very plausible, though. It is completely plausible. Um, so Roz then bursts into the bloody interview scene and she's like, okay, Tim was wearing a white oversuit at the time of his death and he had been wearing a balaclava. So he also had power tools in his flat. So any woman would have been in fear of their life if they saw a man dressed like that because he clearly intended to kill her and dismember her body. Roz is also like, you know, if you did put up a fight, you wouldn't have committed a crime. It would have been self-defense. And she's like, you're also a cleaner, so you would have cleaned his flat very well. Hannah is then asked if they can search her home to rule out her out as a suspect. And she's like bawling, crying, um, saying that she's done nothing wrong. And Jody then actually arrests her in connection with the murder of Timothy Ifield. Um, Jesus Elsa, Christ. It's crazy. Like, and they, But in fairness, it does really it does check out to yeah. a certain degree um, elsewhere Steve notices that an item of evidence taken from the scene of Tim's murder KRG 13 was overwritten and he texts Kate to say that it may have been tampered with um, Kate heads to the forensic office and she asks about that sample and Jodie is literally lurking outside like staring at her what she's doing and um, afterwards Jodie does tell Roz that Kate was asking about item reference KRG 13 and Jodie says that forensics notice the mistake but they haven't raised any concerns um, then on her way out this is when I'm like fuck this is Roz is like playing a blinder here because she's like right Kate's undercover someone's told me someone's watching me she's asking about that item of evidence and she's like oh come here Kate I want you to extend your secondment <laughs> and then Kate and Steve meet in a graffiti lane and Steve says they need to make a confidential request to examine, examine those samples and see if there's any irregularities in KRG 13. So at the station, right, Hannah Resnikova is brought in again and Jody is like, uh, we, find, we found over nine grand in banknotes in your flat. We also found multiple used condoms containing semen from multiple males. And then Jody reveals that DNA belonging to Tim Ifield was found in her bed sheets along with an unregistered mobile phone that has a call history um, with another unregistered mobile that they can't identify, but the call history was on the 17th and 18th of March. Eventually, Hannah admits that it was Tim's phone, but they weren't harming anyone. She's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, the fuck did I miss this? So he got her number from the cleaning card in the cafe and then contacted her on the phone. And then had sex with her. Is that, they had sex? Is that what happened there? Yeah, because she was working as, as a sex worker. Okay. Yeah. So, so okay. like, I think, I suppose as well, like, Tim could have just got with, like, you know, paid her for sex, and there might be any more to that. Like, he could have just, like, met Anna Reznikova and been like, do you know that way? Because he would have known she was a sex worker. Yeah, you know true. And I suppose you're meant to have a little insight into his bachelor lifestyle, maybe, that he's like on his own. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I miss that. so afterwards, Kate is like, listen, just because Hannah Reznikova had sex with Tim Ifield doesn't actually mean that she killed him. Um, but Roz is like, no, Tim lured her to the flat. He tried to kill her and she killed him in self-defense. She's like, it's all falling into place. But the only hole is proving that Michael Farmer and Tim Ifield were accomplices. Yeah. So that's her next kind of thing she's pushing towards. Um, at AC12HQ, Manita 
Police has been looking at traffic cam footage near Tim's flat on the night of the murder and she has spotted a car that looks like a cab. And then, lads, this is when it all gets crazy. Steve leaves Nick Huntley a voicemail telling him that he's <laughs> heading to his office. He's like, I'm on the way, pal. You haven't got in touch with me within 48 hours. We need to talk. Meanwhile, Roz is in Hilton's office. She's like, thank you so much for backing me throughout the Operation Trapdoor. He's like, you were a star in training college. So, you know, I'm only putting you back where you belong. What are friends for? Grabbing her bloody arm when he's saying this. Very creepy. At Nick's office... Um, he listens to Steve's voicemail and he gets really flustered obviously because he's like oh my god Arnold is outside like and he rings Jimmy Lakewell <laughs> so he basically finds out Steve is on the way rings Jamie, Jimmy Lakewell straight away at HQ Manita's like where the hell is Steve um, because I've basically found out that I've got a reg number on the car that was outside Tim's flat and I need to talk to him straight away. Um, and Jamie's like, Steve's actually gone to see Nick Huntley. Um, meanwhile, Steve has actually arrived at Nick's building. He's called him again to tell him that they need to talk. Nick says that um, he's been speaking to his criminal solicitor, Jimmy Lakewell. So he's like, you need to go through Jimmy Lakewell. He's trying to fob Steve off. Minita then, meanwhile, trying to still get through to Steve's phone, but it's going straight to voicemail. Um and she's like, "Oh my God, Nick Huntley could be could be dangerous." Like, I need like she's literally freaking mm-hmm. out. Um, and she basically is like, "Nick Huntley was the person who was driving the car who that was spotted outside Tim Ifield's flat the night he was murdered." Nick Huntley, i.e., Ross's husband. Steve is in danger, girl. Ted is now panicking and he leaves Steve another voice mo- note mail Jesus voice note I'm so used to saying that voicemail saying that Nick Huntley is dangerous and he's like listen just get out of there he is dangerous still on the phone to Nick bloody hell like you're watching this being like Steve answer your phone I feel like he would have ignored the instruction anyway probably um, still on the phone to Nick Steve tells him that he's on the way up he gets into the lift and he finally tries to listen to all of his voice messages the signal is shite but we do make out faintly Manit telling him that the car belongs to Nick Huntley so the second Steve hears that the bloody lift doors open a man in a balaclava attacks Steve with a baseball bat he drags Steve who is bleeding and knocked out into a stairwell the pair then struggle for a bit Steve tries to fight back and take off his attacker's balaclava like the way that uh, poor Georgia did in the hospital that time to try and get a look at him and suddenly the man throws Steve over the banister we hear a very loud thud and the balaclava man runs for it and we just see blood pouring from Steve's head they made such a point as well of pointing out that the office was on the fifth floor now, I think he fell three floors in the end. But lads, he was so lucky to survive that. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought originally he had fallen the whole way down. Yeah. But he, so basically, Nick Huntley in the middle of it is actually moving offices. So Nick's meant to be on, he's meant to be on the fifth floor, but I think he's moved like another floor. Okay. So Steve is going up to his floor, but Nick's actually on a different floor. So that's right. kind of how Nick has a bit of a, an alibi. Okay. Out of all now, of this. Tell me this. Where did he get that balaclava? Uh, well, the balaclava was, we find out who that was, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, but yeah. he just happened to have it in the office, did he? No, Nick. Nick Huntley no, isn't that man. That's not Nick. Oh, it's not Nick. No, we no. find out who it is Why towards the, the end. Roz Huntley actually cops who it is, doesn't mm. she? Yeah. Um, okay, so that's the end of episode three. Episode four opens with Nick running out of his office into Roz's car. He says that DS Arnold came to see him and ended up falling down the stairs. And he's like, I don't even know if he's alive. Like, can you imagine? Roz picks him up outside the office. I just can't cope with all of that. Um, Nick is also like, um, I called you from a payphone because Steve kept asking me about telephone calls. 
cross between him and Roz on the night of the 17th. So Roz now also knows that they are like severely on to her and her husband yeah. about the 17th. Um, Nick is like, listen, I just called Jimmy Lakewell for advice straight after Steve rang me and said he was on the way up. That's all I did. Um, Roz drops Nick back at the office. She's like, avoid CCTV, call security, say you're worried that Steve could be lost because you moved floors. And then Roz like, drops him off the office, is like, run back in there and sort that out. And she starts necking a box of painkillers. Like she is, she has the Tylenol in the bag. She's like drinking the Tylenol at this stage. So her arm is obviously dreadful. Um, Ted and Jamie arrive and they find that poor Steve has been stretched off into an ambulance and the paramedics are like he's in a really bad way but his injuries are consistent with the fall. Ted is like that is not an accident. He orders everyone to lock the place down as a crime scene and Jamie takes Nick in and detains his clothes for forensics. Um, Nick Huntley and his lawyer Jimmy Lakewell are then interviewed by Ted and Jamie later on in the glass box in AC12 HQ. Nick says um, that Steve rang him for a follow-up interview. He says that he was on the way up to his office but then Steve just never arrived so he thought he had just gone to the old floor by accident and Ted is like Nick you were the only person who knew that Steve was on the way up to you and they weren't born yesterday fella Um, Lakewell then tells Ted to to dial down the Ian Paisley which goes down like a lead balloon like Jimmy Lakewell is very I mean he's irritating isn't he the cheek um, so Lakewell then says that Nick couldn't have been Steve's attacker because he was actually in an office full of colleagues on a different floor when it happened so Nick Huntley does have a bit of an alibi um, but Jamie is like no actually how did I miss that what is actually wrong with me watching this show there's, anyway. the interrogation scenes are quite long sometimes and because there's so much back and forth there's all these golden nuggets in between and you kind mm. of <laughs> you, like I, I think you actually sometimes need to bloody write down what happened because so much happened so fast well, you really made me want to McDonald's saying golden nuggets Mm. Um, Jamie is like <laughs> Jamie is like to, Jamie turns around in the middle of the interview and he's like to uh, Nick he's like actually your office manager said that you left the building for about 15 minutes around the same time that DSR and it sustained his injuries and Nick is like oh god I had to go to the loo because I got butterflies guys I another shit reference like he literally had the shits because he was nervous that Steve was on the way up to his office I actually cried at that it was such a little small uh, he's like I got butterflies like the way he says it I was like oh dear god Um, okay now mother of god DS Jamie Desford is so sloppy he's showing off all the slides on the screen he can't get his shit together at all no he just can't and Ted like is getting increasingly more (laughs) pissed off as this goes on Um, Ted's mortified oh no he is because it just makes them look like Egypt seeing Ted having to work with someone other than Kate or Steve is funny isn't it yeah yeah it is very funny and he just doesn't have any time for it but eventually Jamie does show up the traffic cam footage of Nick's car outside Tim Ifield's flat well near it on the night of the 17th which is the night that he was murdered and Ted is like there's also a witness who saw a car with a driver matching your description outside Tim's flat so basically they're like Nick Huntley was outside Tim Ifield's flat the night that he was murdered and um, Nick is like I've got nothing to do with the murder and I didn't see anything and basically Jimmy Lakewell is like he doesn't actually need to answer this because you're questioning him about what happened to your officer in an office today so yeah. he fobs him off there and um, the convo then obviously moves to Roz and Ted is like Roz says that she was homesick that night but there was a call made to her mobile at 8 Nick is like it was one of the kids who hadn't realised that Roz was sick in the spare room um, Jamie then shows an image of Balaclava Man taken on the 25th of January in the Moss Heath area and Nick is like that isn't me or I've nothing to do with that because I was actually at a work function in Northampton um, so I can't help you and um, 
So as they go to leave, Ted is like, listen, this inquiry isn't finished by a long chalk. And then he tells James to sharpen up his act, honest to God. Yeah. It was and it's funny to he watch. does fair play to him. Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, so Kate then visits Steve in hospital and Steve has really bad injuries like a fractured skull, fractured leg, pelvis and vertebrae. And the, the nurse is like, it's too early to say anything. So it's very serious. He's so Steve. lucky he didn't whack his head. Yeah. Like, well, he did though, Brendan. If you look back at the scene, he hit his head off a step and he was bleeding geez. out. Like I thought he was a goner. So did I. And I also think it's really interesting because Steve has gotten himself into so many situations now. Like he got framed for Bloody Lindsay Denton's murder last season. Now he's de- over a stair well like nothing much has happened to Kate and I think loads of people now think that like serious shit's going to go down in season 6 with Kate I I, see she did have the family shit and she was sleeping in her car but she's never been in danger girl do you know what I mean Mm. and she's pretty bad at being undercover when she wants to be like she can be good when she wants to be but at other times she can put herself in a lot of danger like Lindsay Denton could have killed her oh easily around the back of that a factory do you when know? she needed um, her so yeah, yeah remember she needed her in the stomach that was <laughs> that was actually great like Lindsay Denton is a badass and at the she? same time also robbed her phone without her realising yeah <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, she's been in a lot of mild peril, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think there could be something in that. There's been loads of uh, actually uh, uh, photographs of them filming this week, and there is like full on oh. streets shut down in Belfast, like balaclava men, machine guns. Like, I think we're in for a serious showdown in season six. Do you know that way? Like a bit like an episode. I can't wait for it. A season three, episode six kind of situation. I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, okay, so back at HQ, Manita's pulled the CCTV footage of a man in a balaclava in an alleyway beside Nick's office right after the fall. Um, and Ted says it could be, it couldn't be Farmer or Ifield because Ifield is dead. Farmer's in jail. So it looks like Nick was the only person who knew where Steve was. So he must clearly be the bloody balaclava man because the only person he called was Jimmy Lakewell, his solicitor looking for legal advice. So like, who else could it be? Um, so it's really all down to Steve now to try and figure out who his attacker was. Um, that night, Nick tells Roz that AC12 were showing him pictures of a man in a balaclava connected to Tim Ifield's murder. He eventually reveals that he was there that night because they've got his car on traffic cam CCTV. Um and he's basically like, I was right outside the flat. Roz is like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, Roz is done like, here. what are you at? She is livid. She is like, oh my God, like, what were you doing? And Nick is like, I followed you because I thought you were off with another man. And Nick explains to Roz that he saw her visit a dodgy minicab firm that night. So he followed her until she got out. And he now realizes that she got the minicab to avoid the cameras that caught his camera um, or caught his car on camera and so basically Roz is now shook and she's like I had everything under control but now my husband has been spotted prowling the area and they're now also linking him to the bloody like attempted murder of her her, like an AC12 officer of Steve like Nick Huntley really blew the whole thing didn't he yeah um, so basically Nick is like listen I covered for you though I told AC12 that you were at home unwell and he asks her to tell him the truth he's like please tell me the truth and she eventually admits that she did spend the night with someone and then a crime just happened to take place nearby when they were together 
Bloody like, hell. Come off it. So at HQ, Jamie tells Ted about item KRG13, which is the isolated blood splatter from Ifield's flat that's been overwritten. Um, so they know that Nick was in the area that night. So Roz now could be deliberately misleading the inquiry away from her husband. So they need to re-examine that sample. So that sample is like crucial to everything. Um, Steve wakes up in hospital. He tells Ted he's feeling terrible, but he says that all he remembers is just being on the phone to Nick. The lift opened and that someone jumped on him and hit him over the head. He thinks there was a baseball bat and a man in a balaclava but he doesn't know if he's just linking that back to another case yeah um, but I, I just think of baseball bat balaclava Jackie Laverty yeah, yeah straight back to season one so meanwhile Jody tells Ross that AC12 are asking to sample that evidence from Tim's flat K or G13 um, and Ross then calls ACC Hilton because I mean, there's only so many lives you can have, really, with these situations. Um, so they meet in a swanky hotel bar. Roz is like, right, um, it, you know, you need to know what AC12 are up to because they're trying to discredit the whole inquiry. There is a solution, though. You can close the case against Farmer and you can secure a conviction for the crimes um, that he committed. And then you can just keep Tim Ifield's offences as an internal matter. Like, let's just leave that. So Hilton does agree to all that. Um, he says that AC12 have a... Uh, a habit of using underhand tactics and he has some information that could really even things up. He then starts coming on to her by telling him that telling her that he has a room booked in the Swanky Hotel that it's night. It's so weird. Oh, it's so messed up. Roz then brings up the husband and the kids and she's like, I better not stay for another drink. But she's like, let's do this another time. And Hilton jots down a phone number on a napkin to be discreet. Asterix. Very important. Remember that. Yes. Um... So at the station, Roz then goes up to Kevin or Gil, K or G, you know, remember we didn't know why the hell it said, uh, was it KF? Uh, KF. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, yeah. So Roz approaches Kevin or Gil, who is outside having a smoke. Uh, he is the FI who pulled the KRG13 blood sample from the Ifield crime scene. Uh, he's like, I don't remember ever doing that, but I'm not going to accuse anyone of tampering because we all know what happens to whistleblowers. Um, straight after Roz leaves, Kate legs it over to speak to Kevin herself. I mean, she wasn't being discreet there. And Jody notices her through the window, doesn't oh, she? Jody is like stalking Kate uh, uh, everywhere she goes. Um, later on, Roz finally goes to the hospital about her rotten flesh. Um, and they basically are like Jesus Christ you should have come in here sooner you have a very high fever you need to go on sick leave and Ross is like I can't take sick leave haven't got the time I'm too busy trying to frame people so they have to take the sample there because they're like there must be some sort of infection because this isn't healing I mean, you don't have to be a doctor to make that diagnosis. <laughs> oh my God, okay. So guys, then that night, Nick Huntley is like, Nick Huntley is like locked. Like he has drank a whole bottle of whiskey and he is slurring at Roz the second she gets in the door. He is like, what the hell happened the night of the murder? Because there's loads of holes in your story. Roz is like, I'm very sorry that I hurt you. Everything I do is for this family. But Nick is like, no, I know you were in those apartments when that murder happened. She then slaps him and says, were you not listening? Look at what I do not what I say. Uh, she then calls him a fool for being linked to the near death of an anti-corruption detective and for hanging out around a crime scene that night. She slaps him after that one more time and says that she is the one protecting him. It's actually very hard to watch. Nick is sobbing and then she eventually rubs his back. Yeah, it's really weird because she goes from slapping him across the face and then he falls into her chest and they hug and she's like kind of like trying to like calm him down or something I don't know very domestic really violence abuse yeah. vibes going on there um, so at HQ Minnie tells Ted that the lab has analysed the original sample sample of KRG13 and that they have found an anomaly I can never say that word anomaly anomaly yeah I think it's harder when you have to say an anomaly because it's an, extra syllables yeah 
an yeah, anomaly. I could have said the anomaly maybe mm. instead. Okay, guys, it's all about to go down. Shit is happening. Roz is told that AC12 have issued her with a second reg 15 and they are coming after her. Meanwhile, Manit is getting the glass box ready. Oh my God, she has like jugs of water set out. <laughs> she has her co-worker with her like wiping everything down, like putting a new tape in the thing. We finally hear a really long, juicy beep. Ted and Jamie begin to interview Roz, who has Police Federation rep DCI Mark Moffat beside her. Kate is watching on a computer screen in a different room and she's basically MSN messaging Ted throughout, which is really juicy. It's like the MSN that they use in the OCG in season five. Um, okay, right. So they begin by asking Roz about the balaclava man outside her hubby's building when Steve was attacked. And they're like, listen, hon, this couldn't have been Ifield or Farmer. So like, what's the crack with that? Holes in your in your yeah. investigation. Ted and Jamie also point out that Ifield's killer didn't leave one fingerprint or strand of DNA at the crime scene. So like, how would Ra- Hannah Reznikova know how to do that? Like, yeah, she's a cleaner, but you need serious knowledge or skills not to leave any DNA at a crime scene, like bloody hell. Um, they also bring up Tim's amputated fingers and they're like, listen, if she did get rid of his fingers to remove her DNA under his fingernails, where were the wounds corresponding on Hannah's body? And Roz is like, oh no, no, like they would have been healed by the time she was charged. Like, Roz, give us a look at your arm there. Why are you only using one hand, love? <laughs> so Ted wonders how Hannah, like a wee girl, could have killed Ifield and not like that random balaclava man who attacked Steve in a stairwell. Roz is like, oh no, 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 that'll be investigated. Right, guys, really long convo here about KORG 13 Kevin Orgill told AC12 that he can't account for the overwriting so Kevin Orgill he now annoys me a bit he's telling everyone a different story he doesn't want to be a whistleblower and um, they also were like to Roz, oh, independent forensic scientists have detected an anomaly. It's Tim's blood, but it contains a number of clothing fibres that match the white oversuits that investigators uh, wear when they're uh, at a crime yep. scene. So Ted is like, listen, a trained FI wouldn't have made contact with a blood sample by accident. Those suits are designed not to shed. Instead, Ted is like, that blood was taken from the oversuit worn by Tim Ifield at the time of his death that was never found. So the person who took the swab came or G13 is very connected to the killer himself or herself. He's like, sample K or G13 was tampered with. So what he's saying is where she cracked her head off the breakfast bar in Tim's flat the night of the murder, mm-hmm. that when they swabbed that there shouldn't have been fibres from an overall suit in it. No, because yeah. it was originally her blood, but she put a fake sample yeah. into it. And fake the fake sample. sample fake sample, was from her bloody car boot when she actually dipped yeah. it into Tim's suit. So it's exactly, they've uncovered exactly it's, what's happened. Yeah. Um, so Ted is like, right, there's tampering in the Farmer case, the Ifield murder as well. And Roz is like, also, Tim was present at Farmer's ha- home before Michael was even arrested and his DNA was found on Leonie Collarsdale's body. So she's like, well, my team are investigating if Farmer and Ifield are working together and Kate is writing to Steve on MSN or not to Steve Kate is writing to Ted on MSN being like there's absolutely no evidence of this so all of Kate's info is really helping Ted with trying to crack Roz here next Roz has shown the traffic cam images of Nick beside Ifield's flat on the night of the murder Ted is like listen there is a clear conflict of interest here with your husband he could have been involved in these offences you know you could have tampered with evidence so I'm recommending that you be suspended from duty effective immediately now guys Ros Huntley goes completely full Danny Waldron here. She is like, keep the tape 
running. Shit oh, is I happening. She has about seven folders with her full of information. Seven folders, one hand. Yes. So, right, she starts it all off. She, Lindsay she, Denton as well. It's like it she, is. she's got receipts and she's bringing them fucking with her. Like, that is what is happening. It's literally like she is ready. She came prepared. She accuses Ted of conducting a witch hunt against female officers. She brings up that over the past five years, 67% of the detectives of the rank of inspector or above that AC12 have investigated have been female. She sells, tells Ted that he used that sexist language, Hannah, that you brought up earlier on, that he called her a darling. darling yeah, at the Ifield murder scene. And... Um, Ted is very flustered and she asks him how many detectives have been promoted to the rank of inspector or above over the last five years how many female detectives Ted is like listen that's nothing to do with what we're talking about here like I have to think really carefully about who I promote in AC12 and all of that Um and then, oh my God, we get a season three reference here. The Masonic handshake is brought up when Roz asks if Ted is a member of a Masonic organization. He's like, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. And then Roz says his gorgeous line, which I think is a real line of juicy. Masons are the mafia of the mediocre, a network of officers that link to corruption and an organization that traditionally excludes women. I feel like season five is really set up perfectly here, pointing out that there is AC12 isn't all rosy and perfect and Ted tries to get up and leave but Roz also then pulls out a statement from Kevin Orgill who has admitted that he did overwrite the sample KORG13 and she's like what lengths would AC12 actually go to to prove that they're right when they're wrong Um, so Kevin Orgill did change his story a bit now He's a bit flighty. Um, Roz then shows an image of Hannah Reznikova being interviewed by DS Kate Flynn. There's also a photo of Kate making an inquiry into item KRG13, as well as a picture of Kate chatting to Kevin Gill. Uh, so Roz is like, Jesus Christ, is DS Flynn an undercover officer for AC12? Ted is about to hit the roof here. He's like, I can't confirm or deny. Kate is in the other room pulling out her earphones being like, fuck, my cover has been Fucking blown. Jody with her amateur photography. Yeah, Jody. now in fairness is a good detective. She just trusted the wrong woman, didn't she? Mm. Um, Roz insinuates that Kate could have been coaching Kevin Gill as well to give AC12 what they wanted when in reality he actually just admits to a slip of the pen. Roz then brings up the iconic DI, Lindsay Denton RIP and she's like, well, last year a jury acquitted Lindsay Denton of conspiracy to murder at a retrial because they were sure that one of the AC12 officers had engaged in an inappropriate relationship in order to plant evidence in her home. So Roz is like, hon, there is a pattern of sexism, undercover operations and questionable evidence in AC12. Ted is like, this circus is over. He is trying to shut down the whole thing. He's also like, how the hell do you know all this? Because how would you know about Lindsay Denton? Yeah. Like, how do you know about who I've promoted, about Lindsay Denton and all this shit? Roz is like, oh, it's confidential. Um, Roz then is like, Superintendent Hastings, did you authorise DS Flynn to engineer charges against Hannah Reznikova? Did you authorise DS Flynn to tamper with evidence in regard to the investigation uh, into the murder of Tim Ifield? Um, he, she also is like, did you induce Kevin Gill to alter his testimony in regarding to handling the evidence item reference KORG13? And she's like, I can't exclude you, Jamie, your case from a conspiracy to pervert the course of justice in the actions that you have brought against me. So she basically then hands him over a signed authority from ACC Hilton recusing AC12 from their inquiry into her and she's basically like mic drop bitch you can't investigate me anymore <laughs> 
It's iconic. It's so good. She's so good. So after Roz leaves, oh my God, Ted is like Jamie or James, switch off that bloody tape and then Jamie pipes in here, which is just not the right time. And I love this so much because it's a meme and it's always doing the rounds. And Jamie is like, sorry, sir, I have to say it's Jamie, not James. And Ted replies, frankly, son, right now, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> but like fair play to Jamie he did like he he was on the ball during that interview he well, was much slicker he kind of fucked it up though because he was like oh we all know that people just uh, t- tell whoever th- what they want to hear by Kevin or Gill and that's how Roz is like well he you're, you're just saying that AC12 is admitting yes, to the fact yeah, that he's saying yeah. Jamie gets really flustered but Roz he operated like, the iPad a little better this oh, time oh definitely yeah. but like I just feel like Jamie's not as slick as like officers like Dot oh yeah Absolutely who are put not. in he really he really doesn't make things better for himself no um, okay so coming to the end of the episode Ros meets Hilton again in the swanky hotel bar for a drink and she's like Jesus Hilton oh my god Ted had no idea how I got all of this ammunition um, and Hilton's like listen I'm really happy to help because AC12 aren't fit for purpose Hilton is then like oh Ros um, just wondering did my name come up at all and she's like no um, <laughs> she then thanks him for backing her and he's like what are friends for and he's touching her leg this time he then is like Dirty bastard He's like hun Bring that Ew. drink upstairs Like come up upstairs And Roz is like Sorry I love my husband And I'm not going to betray My husband and my kids trust On the way home Hilton meets a pregnant Manit in a laneway And she reluctantly Hands over police files Yeah Awful. Yeah. That's really awful, isn't it? Um, Roz then heads home and Nick is also awake again, very angry. And she's basically just like, here, Nick, it's all grand. No one thinks that you're a murderer anymore. So he breathes a sigh of relief. And that is the end of episode four. So it looks like Roz has really got taken things into her own hands and really got things under control mm-hmm. at this stage. But yeah, Hilton gave Roz all of that information uh, for to, to basically discredit Ted at AC12. Well done, Reb. That was a lot. Well done. Thanks, guys. Okay, season four, episode five. It opens with Ted telling Hilton that AC12 is being stopped from trying to uncover institutional cover-up. Hilton throws shade by saying, oh, wasn't your team the one with Dot in it? And then Hilton then pushes to see Dot's dying declaration like he's just, he's like a dog with a bone. This is what he wants to see. Um, Ted says, absolutely not. His team uh, conduct themselves to the letter of the law. Um, no sooner is he taking a swan dive down those three flights of stairs, Steve is up in rehab and attempting to walk again. Um, Medics tell him that he can't rule out long-term mobility problems. Rosa's team start wondering why she's so keen to pin Tim Ifield's murder on Hannah. They know her husband was interviewed about Steve's fall and they say Balaclava Man was seen nearby. So there's kind of whisperings around the office to be like, hmm, something going on with Roz here. Ted calls Ian Buckles to AC12 to eat the head off him for blowing Kate's cover. Manit conveniently walks Buckles into this meeting. Um, when Buckles denies it, Ted roars at him to get out of my sight. Kate admits, though, that it can't have been Buckles, which forces Ted to consider he may have another mole. Uh, Roz gets called to the discovery of new body parts. Now, they're close to where Leonie Collisdale's body parts were found, but the body parts seem newer. Steve tells Ted that he'll be walking again in no time, which is not what Steve has been told, and insists that he's been given the all clear to work. It's um, so sad, it, isn't it? It is really sad, yeah. Uh, he promises that he's going to catch Roz and Nick Huntley if they're up to something, and Ted, Ted turns around to, um, so like, Steve is like all gung-ho, ready to like get back to work, but kind of hangs around for a second, and he's like, what are you waiting for? The number 19 bus? <laughs> he's like, no, his lines are so good in this season, aren't they? Yeah. Steve starts to review recordings of Nick Huntley's interviews, and when he asks Kate if anyone 
has checked out his alibi. She's like, yeah, no, while you were away, we stopped being capable of just doing general police work. <laughs> um, and then in the same breath, she goes, actually, I better double check those. Um, Manit finds Nick's car on traffic cameras on a quiet motorway, which suggests he would have had the time to murder Tim Ifield. At home, Roz wakes up in bed with her oozing wound and her husband's standing over and he turns, Nick turns around and he's like, that's starting to stink. Back at AC12, Manit tells Jamie that IT have asked for uh, asked her to get his username and password um, she's for like a system upgrade or something. And she uses it to log into his PC very suspiciously late in the evening. Like she's kind of like looking over her shoulder. Like she wouldn't have had an excuse to be there at that time. It just was a bit dodge looking. Um, and she uses it to access a folder on Jamie's PC called AC12 Classified Files. Roz ignores a call from her GP surgery before joining a team meeting where RuPaul tells them that the fresh human remains found do belong to Leonie Collinsdale. Roz is really quick to say here that we don't need to consider another suspect, but RuPaul says there were differences to the way her other body parts were stored. These ones were kept in a freezer and wrapped in paper. Steve arranges for Michael Farmer's nan to visit him in prison to convince him not to plead guilty to a crime that he didn't commit. Steve says to Michael in prison, you know there are other solicitors, better ones. Like, never a truer word. Uh, To which Michael says, he liked the solicitor he had before when he was convicted of raping Jade when he was younger. Asterix. Yes. Uh, Roz listens to a voicemail from her GP because she's ignored the call, which tells her she needs to go straight to A&E about her arm. Kate drops Steve home and says there's no way Roz could have had prior knowledge of Michael Farmer to try and frame him. She offers to go upstairs to see Steve in, but he says he's fine. Uh, Back at AC12, Manit has tracked out Michael Farmer's old solicitor and lo and behold, who was it but Jimmy Bloody Lakewell? Shock on! Kate and Steve pay Jimmy Lakewell a visit. When Kate pretends to write down uh, aloud, so like basically she asks him a question and he's like, no, I can't recall. And Kate like gets a notepad and pen. She's like, um, interviewee refuses to acknowledge if... And then Jimmy Lakewell is like, like something along the lines of dumb police officer uses oldest trick in book to intimidate witness. Oh no, he is very sassy, isn't he? And then this line comes out again. He's like, and makes a bit of a tit of herself. I love it. Uh, Jimmy phones Roz to let her know straight away that AC12 have been sniffing around. Down a dark alley, Hilton ignores a call from Roz before meeting Manit, who hands him a USB. She tells him she's finished and heads back to ask Ted if she can start her maternity leave early. She's drained. Ted wishes her all the best. Oh my God, lads, my heart breaks for her. And um, Manit asks Ted, uh, she's like, don't tell the others, I really don't want to fuss, mate. I just want to slip away quietly. And you t- oh. Yeah, and then she has a cry in the lift when she's leaving. Her crying in the lift is awful, but like bloody Hilton putting her up to all that because he wants the dots dying decoration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Huntley meets Jimmy Lakewell at a coffee shop. Nick floats the idea that Roz could have been involved in the murder of Tim Ifield. Um, says that she was in the area the night of and uh, has that stinking gash on her forearm. Uh, Kate shows Ted a report which reveals Jamie, not James's computer, accessed dots dying declaration. Ted calls Jamie and tells him since he started in AC12, the place is leaking like a colander, but Jamie is adamant he's done nothing wrong and he asks for a transfer. RuPaul tells Roz the tests prove that Michael Farmer was already in custody and Tim Ifield already dead when the latest set of body parts belonging to Leonie Collinsdale were buried. Uh, so it couldn't have been either of those. Uh, newspaper used to wrap the remains had newer dates on it. That's basically how they figured that out. Um, RuPaul suggests taking the team through the new findings, 
And Ross just goes, oh yeah, no, no, that's fine. Just leave that with me. <laughs> Heaven forbid we brief the team on some vital information. Oh my God, she's like, let's just leave that there. Yeah, let's- God, no. Why would we need to tell anyone that? Uh, back at home, Ros unwraps her wound and pukes with the pain or the smell. I can't figure out. Probably both. Um, she then has a vision of Tim Ifield standing in her bathroom at home calling her a lying bitch and then she passes out. Back at Polk Avenue Station, RuPaul accidentally lands Roz in it um, and tells the team that Farmer and Tim couldn't have buried Leone's remains because of the new newspaper dates. Um, Neil relays this information to Kate who tells Ted and Steve. When Kate says the remains look like they were held in cold storage, you can see a light bulb go off in Steve's head and he brings them back upstairs into his desk and opens up the cold case file of Jackie Laverty. Jackie Laverty. Um, The three of them agree there are similarities in both cases and to get around Hilton's blocking of them investigating Roz, they decide to reopen their Jackie Lav investigation and kind of get in that way. Now, guys, next, we see Roz off her head in a hospital bed. Nick tells her they had to operate to save your life. And she looks over all confused and sees that her hand has been amputated. No. It's awful to watch. Sorry, it's actually the most horrific thing ever. Like, you would be so traumatised. And, my God, like, she didn't... Like, she was obviously passed out because the sepsis would but have been... But where did she think it was going, like... No, see, this is the thing. I'm it like, wasn't oh, getting any better. No, it, but it was, like, it was Yeah, but she never far. thought she was getting... Um, she was going to be an amputee, Brandon. Think like, about that for I a have the fear of getting sepsis, though. Oh, no, you'd be like really careful. You'd be very careful with, with like blisters and stuff like that. Like, if I get a cut my finger, I'm like, oh my God, that's it. Now I'm gone. Yeah, but if yours was seeping to that level of pus, someone would say, Brendan, get that hand looked at. Yeah. And this is weeks because, like, chunks of time pass in line of Judy, and you never really get, you know, you don't ever realize it until they mention certain things. Yeah. Like, she's probably had that cutting around for a good six weeks. Oh, if she had got that looked at, though, they wouldn't have ever found the, um, like, she would, if she just got it looked after and got the antibiotics or whatever, like, it would have been fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She would have probably got away with it all. Yeah. Back at AC12, Steve shows Kate and Ted independent forensic results. They suggest evidence gathered from both Tim Ifield's murder and Lee. Only Collarsdale's murder were falsified. Ted says, to hell with Hilton, get Roz and Nick in here now. Kate heads for the hospital, but it's too late. Roz discharged herself against advice and is asking um, Jodie to fill her in on the briefing that she tried not to hold. She's like, so that one that, one that I tried not to tell my staff about, what was... What Guys, was she's said. in the fucking car with one arm and they don't even talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's so mental. weird. Um, so it's here that Roz learns that her husband is probably about to raise a red flag about her involvement in Tim's murder. Uh, at home, Roz tells Nick that she wants a divorce and totally gaslights him before arresting him on suspicion of the murder of Timothy Ifield. When Nick goes to walk out of the house, Roz's team, including bloody Jody, are in the drive waiting to cuff him. Kate then pulls up behind, planning to bring Roz into AC12 for questioning, but sees the whole drama going on, jumps back in the car and is like, bloody hell, what is it? What has gone on? Back inside the house then, Roz tampers with more fucking evidence, rubbing hairs from a brush onto a jumper and popping it back in the drawer. Oh yeah, back in the Tupperware for later. <laughs> yeah. She's shocking. Uh, Ted, Steve and Kate visit Hilton in his office. Hilton says they were told to stay away from investigating the Huntleys. Kate and Steve explain that they're old to Jackie Lavin investigation led them unexpectedly back to the framing of Michael Farmer. Um, how shocking. Hilton asked... What a bloody coincidence. Yeah, Hilton asked uh, Steve and Kate to leave the room and shows Ted a video of Dot's dying declaration on an iPad. So that is what Manish gave him on the USB before saying, I'm done. Um, this is where we first hear the idea of 
H, which Hilton suggests is Ted. Hilton tells Ted that he'll be served with a Reg 15 notice and could face a disciplinary hearing. Kate drops Steve home, but this time she comes in. She finds out he's not been doing okay at all. The place is an absolute state. Steve admits he wasn't, uh, was not given the all clear to go back to work and he doesn't know if he'll ever make a full recovery from his fall. It's so oh sad. God. Like, it's it's so awful. Poor Steve. Back at Polk Avenue, Jimmy Lakewell arrives to help Nick Huntley, who's being held on suspicion of murdering Tim. Roz watches on from a monitor, but Buckles tells her, I'll take it from here. From the monitor, we hear Nick tell Jimmy it was Roz. She was lying about everything. Everything! And the credits roll. Well done, Brendan. That was gorgeous. Very short and sweet. Hi, lads, I really feel like I got my uh, recaps down this time. This no, one, you've done well. This one is one morning. page longer to give you a rough idea of how long this is going to be. Okay, finale of season four, episode six. It opens with Roz and her kids moving into a hotel room while Polk Avenue Forensics and Murder Squad investigate her house. Kate tells Ted and Steve that AC9 and Murder Squad are taking over the investigation of Nick Huntley. Ted is raging that AC9 are cock-blocking them here. Uh, Les Hargreaves, remember the name, and Sam interview Nick Huntley with Jimmy Lakewell acting as Nick's solicitor. Nick says the reason that he was near Tim's flat that night he was killed was because he was following Roz because he thought she was having an affair. Next we learn that Jamie is now working for Hilton. This is done really quickly. It's a real throwaway scene Um, because do you remember he was fed up of Ted accusing him of uh, uh, having access to that classified file. It was Minnie that did it. So Jamie is now working for Hilton. Um, He says Ted didn't appreciate my ability but Hilton does. Sam tells Steve something off the record we don't get to hear what it is. Kate and Steve watch over footage of Nick's interview and check in with a cab company they think Roz might have used to travel the night of Tim's murder but their trail goes cold until Steve points out that Roz knows inside out the mistakes the killers make and suggests a wider search to find a loose fitting grey tracksuit which is missing from Tim's home. Um, yeah and I also I did love that scene between Kate, Steve and Sam when Kate really defends Steve and is like well you left him at the first sign of trouble when he needed it yeah, yeah. I but I was confused emotional. I didn't know when she left because she, she says to him I heard about the fall so she must have left him before the fall no she left him at the end of season 3 when he got yeah. arrested okay yeah 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 Yeah, it's just very interesting because yeah. they obviously we see more of that in season 5 mm-hmm. Poor Steve. Uh, Hilton meets Roz and tells her that AC12 are going to find that between her, Nick and Jimmy Lakewell, they had prior knowledge of Michael Farmer's conviction for that rape and says that she should resign. And she's like, I'm not bent. Kate visits the hospital where Roz had her hand amputated. Staff say the hand and all the dressings would have been incinerated, but they keep infection swabs, which, if tested, could be as specific as DNA profiling. Oh, shit. Remember here now, the infection that Roz got was MRSA. A nurse explains to Kate that MRSA normally lives harmlessly inside a person's nose. So you can carry MRSA inside your nose and not know about it. It'll not affect you. Ted agrees to check back over fibres they found in Tim's nose at the time of his death, which they believe came from him wearing a balaclava. They're going to check these fibres to see if there's MRSA present and then bingo. Uh, Roz meets Jodie in a coffee shop and says she needs her to carry out some telecoms inquiries. Uh, Jodie confirms that AC12 are still after her and have requested access to Tim's flat. As Kate and Steve check over Tim's flat and look again at the breakfast bar where that blood spatter from Roz's head was, Roz is hanging around in a bush outside, looking like so suspicious. It's just really ridiculous. She's completely unravelled at this point though, because my God, she's changed her story about seven times. Yeah. Sam calls to see Roz in her hotel room. Roz tells her they need to find a navy jumper that will link link Nick to Tim's murder. This is the jumper that she wiped the hairs on. Uh, The results of these, uh, I'm sorry, the results of the tests on the fibres from up Tim's 
nose or back and they prove his nostrils were riddled with MRSA. Afraid he's about to lose everything, Nick begs Jimmy Lakewell to make sure AC12 are on Roz's case. Ted, Kate and Steve are now looking at CCTV of Roz's car from the day that Tim's body was found. They find that Roz turned off her phone on the day Tim was killed and the day that his body was discovered. Also on the CCTV, they see that Roz drove to an area with no CCTV footage and too big of an area for anyone to search for evidence. In another interview, Sam shows Nick a photo of a Navy jumper with his DNA on it and human hair belonging to Tim Highfield. Tim doesn't have a lot of hair. It's just like, oh my God, like it, it was That's that what easy. I it was so funny. It's yeah. so funny. Why does Tim Highfield have a bleeding hairbrush? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What's the version? Jody phones Roz to tell her that Nick is being charged with Tim's murder and Leone's disappearance and Hannah's abduction. Sure, Roz is like trilled. Just as the AC12 team are heading out the door for the night, Steve and Kate cop that Roz gave herself fuck all time to bury evidence the night that Tim's body was found. They deduce that she would have ditched it somewhere known to her, like a former crime scene that she helped investigate. And everyone gets back to work and Ted looks on and he's just so proud of the whole team, like late at night, like staying up. But on. that is so clever. Roz would have thought she was being so smart by being like, oh, no one's ever going to go re-investigate this crime scene yeah. of a case that's already solved yeah. that only she would know about. It's yeah, just it absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jody leaves a report in Roz's house which contains phone records from that time that Steve was thrown down the stairs. Roz says she doubts it matters anymore and she doesn't look at them, but they, they lay there. AC12 arrive in a woodland the site of a former evidence find and begin trying to catch out Roz. Jamie arrives to remind Ted that he's been slapped with the Reg 15. Hilton also arrives behind Jamie and orders Ted to round up his team before Kate finds a freshly dug up patch of earth. At home, Roz opens those phone records and they show that Steve, Nick and Jimmy Lakewell's phones all made calls close to where Steve was pushed down the stairs. Sam and Jamie arrive at Roz's house to arrest her, but she interrupts them and says, if I'm going to speak to anyone, I'm speaking to AC12. In a smart move, Roz asks Jimmy to sit in with her during her interview at AC12. Now, he's not too hot on the idea because he's obviously representing her husband, who she's attempted to frame for murder, but he goes with it anyway. In this interview, Roz has shown items of bloodstained clothing, a grey tracksuit, a phone and laptop destroyed with acid, Tim's amputated fingertips. Where did she get the acid? A, oh, he probably stole it off Tim. I feel the hardware she? store, I suppose, hon. You can get it all at B and Q. Uh, a power saw, and all of this was found in that woodland where Roz's car was seen speeding off to the night that Tim's body was found. Um, they have the murderer's DNA and the MRSA. And as a single tear falls down Roz's cheek, she admits everything that happened to Tim's that night and says she accidentally caught his neck in the fight for the power saw. She used one of Tim's amputated fingers to use his phone after he died and used that to send messages. Still Jesus, on tape. Jesus Christ. So the tape is still rolling and Roz asks Ted if she Guys, is... imagine holding a finger and unlocking a phone with it. Oh. Just a one finger. Oh my God. It's honestly though, like if she just handled this all differently, like her... Like Tim Ifield was going to kill her. It was like self she was. It was self-defense. Yeah. Just so awful that yeah. it had to end like this. So they're still on tape in the interview room in the glass box spectacular. And Roz says to Ted, am I still a police officer? And he says, for the moment, yeah. And Roz turns around to Jimmy Lakewell oh, and, we go. and cautions him. Takes out phone records showing that Nick and Jimmy were on the phone at the same time that Steve was thrown down the stairs. It also details calls between three burner phones. One of those burner phone numbers is the same number that Hilton wrote down on the napkin he gave Roz when he was trying to get her up to his hotel room. 
It goes all the way to the top. It does, doesn't it? But like Hilton's a tit for giving that phone number. Like, what a dope. Jamie and Sam are watching on on their monitors. Jamie gets straight up out of his chair, legs it, makes a phone call. Ted tells armed officers to secure the exits to AC-12. Ted and Kate arrive at Hilton's office to arrest him. But, shockingly, he is not there. Jimmy tells Steve that there isn't a balaclava man but balaclava men and that they threaten people in positions of power by using dead bodies in cold storage. If you don't do what's asked of you, the body comes out of the freezer and your DNA is all over it. You're framed it's for a murder. somebody say, Jackie laughs. Yes, I know. You're framed for a murder you didn't commit. Jamie comes back into the glass box where Steve, Ross and Jimmy now are kind of waiting. Jamie says his team has taken it from here. Steve says, well, I'll just need to check that with the boss first and he wheels himself off to phone Ted. Ted tells Steve on the phone that Hilton's been tipped off and do not comply with what Jamie is saying. But Steve pretends to Jamie that it's all good. He's like, oh yeah, that's cool. No problem at all. And uh, Jamie coughs Jimmy Lakewell. And Roz kind of looks as if like, are you, what, like, are you taking me? He's like, ah, oh, no, you're grand. You can wait here. And Steve tries to stall Jamie then by saying he'll make him. He's like, oh, do you want a copy of the interview tape? And Jamie's like, ah, oh, no, I'm good. I don't really want to hang around for that. It's, I haven't got the time. Jamie is now frantic. He's repeatedly pressing the button for the lift, but someone's disarmed the lift, so it's not working. Steve tells him to wake up. He's like, I bet Hilton told you even which route to take. And he's like, and I bet I can tell you what will happen in transit and you'll just be collateral damage. Oh, like he just shocking. got yeah no it's Jamie's a dope though for getting in with Hilton uh, yeah Egypt um, armed police are now swarming the AC12 offices and Jamie holds a gun to the head of a cuffed Jimmy Lakewell everybody including Roz and Steve are pleading with Jamie to cop on and not trust Hilton they say that he will end up dead himself Ted and Kate have arrived back from Hilton's empty office and they're now in the AC12 lobby downstairs a man in a balaclava appears and shoots dead a police officer Ted then takes the shot off officer's gun and shoots the man in the balaclava. Ted then runs upstairs with the gun to a standoff which is continuing between Steve and Jamie and he calls him Jimmy again here I think. Oh, yeah, no, he, like, I think he calls him Jimmy he call, here. He keeps calling him James. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah, it's so funny. Um, Ted tells Jamie that there's a fellow lying dead downstairs because he didn't cooperate. Don't test us. Jamie does hand his gun over to Steve and he's arrested. Jimmy Lakewell and Roz are taken back into the glass box and everyone looks exasperated. Down at the marina... Hilton's body is found. It looks like he shot himself dead. Kate tells Ted that it is the same spot where Oliver Stevens Lloyd's body was found that time. Um, It was made to look like a suicide, but it was later believed not to be. Now, do you remember he is the guy that blew the whistle on the child abuse at Sandsview? Yeah, he was a social worker at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back at AC12, Steve tells Ted that the balaclava man that he shot dead was a known criminal with links all the way back to Tommy Hunter. His biometrics and his boot print match that of the photo of the balaclava man that we've been looking at on screen all season. Uh, Kate and Steve say, you got him. And Ted says, I got one of them. Mm. Ted says that he's satisfied that H was ACC Hilton and he tells Kate, take down my photo off that corkboard there, will you? Because Ted's photo was up there as well. He's like, Mm -hmm. take that down. And he declares that this is beginning to feel like like a life's work. In the season wrap-up, we learn that Michael Farmer was released and lives with his nan in an undisclosed location. Jimmy Lakewell admitted perverting the course of justice, but declined to enter witness protection. Roz and Nick are still married. Roz is serving 10 years in prison for Tim's manslaughter and perverting the course of justice. The coroner recorded Hilton's death. It was a suicide. And Ted's reg 15 was rescinded and he remains in charge of AC12. 
they wrap it up so well towards the end, but you realise that there's so much more to it that they haven't even scratched the surface. Oh yeah, like and as you said earlier, Hannah, like season four tees up season five so well. Yeah, do you want to hear my theory real quick? Oh my god, yeah. I'd love to go for it. I think that Sand's view, because remember when they go back and investigate Sand's view in season three, it's been turned into an apartment block? Yep. We learn in season five, and I don't want to give away too much, but there's a lot more to do with property and property development that, that we learn. We also yeah. know that Jackie Laverty was a property developer. Um, and Moffat comes into that. There's a scam. There's some other people involved. And I think there's a lot more going to be connected to the Sandsview Apartments property. Yeah. Moffat. Yeah. Jackie. And certain other people that we realise have been involved that in a is scam a, come a solid five. shout. Yeah, I De- think that's absolutely going to happen. You're dead right. Definitely, because Ted's money problems come from him investing in a dodgy property deal, and then Moffat's there, like try. He's all in on it. Like Moffat, Moffat and Jimmy Lakewell. Like there's more to them. Moffat and Jimmy Lakewell and and um, Roz. Ted being so rude to Moffat. Um, which we're meant to presume I think it's the first time they've met in the glass box spectacular but it's clearly not as bad blood there going back years so I think there's something going on there massively uh, we need to do a few odes so we did an ode to Jackie Laverty after season one but like we've also like Danny Waldron Lindsay Denton Dot Cotton I think we need to just take a moment to um, remember the fallen Yes, so I'll just do a quick one for Doc Cotton. Uh, you were stunning. You made a gorgeous chili. You were very tall. You always had nice suits. Um, you were very intelligent and you were brought into it as a kid. And I think there is a good person deep down in there, even though you made a lot of mistakes. You went into blood so far, you couldn't go back. And we loved you. And I really tried to wish you back into reality and to wish that you were returning because you were such a fabulous character. But unfortunately, you have fallen. You gave us hate. You set up season five, and for that we will always be grateful. Yeah, especially to his, Matthew, his bleeding. Doss, yeah, cotton. His bleeding Morse code. Also, the one thing I love about Dot is in his final moment he dies saving Kate. So he proves this his character. I mean. Yeah. In that in that moment. Do you want Brendan to do Danny Waldron? Oh, Danny Waldron is someone who has an impeccable memory. Him yeah. g- going on about all of the uh, people in AC12 office, he had an answer for everything. I think he n- what really did deep down feel lonely and wanted to find love, but the abuse he suffered as a child made him incapable of doing that. Um, he dedicated his life to uncovering and trying to right the wrongs that were done to him um, as an innocent child in, in, a, in Sandsview Boys Home. I think Danny Waldron is probably has made the most impact considering he was only ever in one episode of Line of Duty and I think that he really showed his character off when he took that dog from oh, um, yeah. from your man poor yeah. Danny he just and he gave us the list guys yeah he did he did he 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 in his final moments like in that all of that he tried to do the right thing by giving DS Steve Arnott all the lists so Danny I mean we salute you because I think there's a lot more coming out of that list as well when we go on to season 6 defo and Agreed. Queen Lindsay Denton I, I think she's my favourite line of duty character ever she's definitely the best investigator they've ever had the fact that she found the list in a draft email in that internet cafe um, and also just that I think my favourite scene ever is the uh, the truth and reconciliation uh, panel that they had with Jill and just Lindsay Denton forever 
Yeah, absolute. Like she was like Mission Impossible level of uh, of undercover agent. Ridiculously good. She's just so dry as well. I just loved how dry she was. Gas. Well done, guys. And I suppose we better mention that we're on Patreon. We did mention on our last podcast and some people have chosen to be patron saints of the podcast. <laughs> so thank you to all of those really generous people. Yeah, seriously, You're keeping thank you. us in muffins. Um, and there is details on the social if you would like to follow suit. Yeah. And I think that is it for season four of Line of Duty. Yes, if you have any theories about seasons one, two, three, or four, uh, or even five, we would love to hear them. You can email shrinepod at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us at shrinepod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm telling you, there is lots uh, when you rewatch it. There, Everything is connected, first of all, but there's, there's more to a few of the characters that I think you forget about and overlook, like Buckles. Buckles. Yeah. Mm, why was Buckles Jed tweeting about him? Back. Lakewell is coming back. Uh, Nigel Morton is coming back. Nigel Morton is 100% coming back. Um, Also, we did time these podcasts impeccably well because I believe this is going out. Is this going out tomorrow, guys? Uh, Yes, we can put it out tomorrow. (laughs) Great. So this is going out on the 4th and we have lined this up because season 5 hits Netflix tomorrow. So... What a beautiful catch up just in time oh, in a lovely, for the most recent episode. In a lovely neat bow. And uh, now also, I can't wait to hear the outro. Will we just like hand it over to Ted? I love this. Let's hand it over to Ted and uh, we'll be back to discuss season five probably very soon. Like I know we've done a whole season five recap, but we'll find other things to talk about in the run up to I, the new season. I think we should do a, um, predictions for season six. I think we could do a few theories that could hold suit and we could just try, you know, one of them will be right, surely. <laughs> Something will stick like the shit to the wall in the prison. Interview terminated. Go on. Piss off. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at ShrinePod. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.